Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. And Grand Rising family, thanks for kick-starting your week with us again. Later, one of our top scholars will join us. Dr. Gerald Horn will discuss the Israel-Gaza conflict and the possibility it could trigger World War III. Dr. Horn will also analyze the recent elections and what it means for the Democrats who are shedding supporters. Time permitting, we'll also talk some sports with, with Dr. With, with Dr. Horn. Before we hear from Dr. Horn, though, Cora Masters Barry will preview this weekend's street naming from Mayor Marion Barry. But to get us started, J.B. Bryan from Afroeconomics is here. Good morning, J.B. It's so good to be here. Good morning. I'm thinking of this as a money, money Monday. <laughs> I love that. I love it because I like to have you on because we're talking about wealth building in a black community, something that, yes. you know, it's it, Previously was not being discussed. Now it's being discussed quite a bit. So I appreciate that for people like yourself who've put it on the front burner that we should, you know, talk about building wealth and generational wealth of that. Having said yeah. all of that, though, we're coming close to the end of the year, JB. Is there anything financially that, uh, on our personal side that we should be looking to doing? Fantastic point. Yes, we have to get everything organized now. January is not tax time. This is tax time. This is the time that we really start doing estimates of what is going to be my tax liability. Are there some investments that I have to have that I'm going to have a capital gain on? Um, what are my uh, business expenses that I have? And and when I go back to like the capital gains, which you know maybe someone will call in and have that challenge, is that um, we do something called lost harvesting, where if you're going to have some gains. It might be the time to get rid of any losses that you have so that you can reduce your tax liability. If you just sell stuff and you, do, and you have some losers in there that you could sell and you don't think about it until January, well, that's too late. So make sure that you talk to your financial advisor or reach out to me and start talking about what are the things that I could do with my investment portfolio before the end of the year that will help me at tax time. And a lot of people don't realize, Carl, that even though you're doing dividend reinvesting, that that is a taxable event. So, and, and then at the same time, we, we're not, we assume that every, everyone that's paying interest on their mortgage, they assume that they're going to be able to write that interest off when the majority of Americans don't get a tax benefit for their mortgage. So, you know, there's, there's definitely uh, what you said was uh, what do we need to do at the, this point is everyone should think about it individually. Where am I financially in November so that I can make for a better ta- tax time 
when I do my taxes for this year? Like, are, are you going into an area of having a lot of taxable income for your business and you have some things that you need to buy for next year? This is the time to, to look at those purchases so that you can reduce that taxable income for this year. Because if you buy next year, you can't, in January, you cannot reduce your taxes for 2023 if you have a calendar in date of December 31 for your business income. Now, not all businesses in their year in December, and some people don't know that, that their business doesn't have to have a year in calendar date, but you can't shift it now. You have to decide that at the beginning. So if this is the end of your business income, you need to look at that. If you've made some withdrawals out of your retirement accounts, that may put you in a much higher income tax bracket. Well, they need to think about Medicare. Medicare premiums are adjusted based on your income. And so many people don't know that. So it's definitely something that we need to look at as taxpayers at this time of year, not January. January is just the data entry point. This is the planning point. With Afro-Economics members, I encourage you all that we have to look at tax planning strategies throughout the year because it's, there are some things that at this point of the year that it, it could be too late. You might not have the money to do the things that you really needed to have done. If you waste a lot of well, money. Well, let me jump in and ask that. you this, JB, because uh-huh. that's, that's where I was going to go with the next question. How do you know that you need to make those moves like right now? Because if you have not been tracking your expenses and from January and now it comes to November and you're saying that and you call it a tax reduction, you know, uh, folks like us who are not in the business, we say a tax write off, <laughs> you know, but you say the tax reduction. So how do you know that, that now is the time to make that move? And a good, a easy way of figuring it out is having your business um, bookkeeping up to date. And that could be as simple as looking at your business bank account. Um, where do you pay your business bills out of? Uh, is there a big number left there? Well, you're going to have to pay taxes on that most likely if that is income that was, if that's based on income that was generated this year. Um, but if you're doing the bookkeeping for your business, you know, it's time to catch up. You know, the bookkeeping meaning know what is what checks might be out there. Has everyone that you've given a check to cash their check? Um, make sure that the register's up today so you know pretty much where your what what income your business is going to have to pay taxes on unless you generate some more expenses before the end of this year. Because it's, you know, we're about, what, 50, 45, 40 days left to the year. So um, it is um, really simple if you're, you know, keeping up with your numbers or, you know, you know where most of your business transactions are going through. And you can keep, make it simple, even your personal transactions. Like if, if you're ending each month and, you have income left, and you know that you are, you are doing positive things with your money. Many people have to go to their credit cards to make the expenses 
you know, to get their expenses paid. A business could be doing the same thing. So it could get tricky, you know, because just because you have, you know, a, a positive number there doesn't mean that you're doing the right thing with your money. Some people just don't use their debit card. <laughs> They'll use a credit card. So all their credit cards have balances. And on a personal level, those that that's not tax deductible. So you've already paid taxes, most people, but you're also um, not to make. Well, hold, hold on for a second there, JB. JB, hold on for a second. So you're saying it's better to use your credit card instead of your debit card? I'm saying for personally, it's better to use your debit card than your credit card. You do not want to go to, and there is an increasing number of people, you know, credit card balances reached over a trillion dollars for the first time ever. So the, what, what I'm saying is that we've got to get away from the credit cards. If you're using your debit card and you look at the, your banking app, you know exactly how much money you have. You know that you're spending more money than what you're making. But if you're, you know, using your debit card just a little bit, but putting everything on your credit card, you know, you're most likely you're going to end up. That's where the credit card balance um, problem comes from. And there's um, the research is saying that many people are taking care of their basic life expenses using their credit card and not not just to um, pay it off at the end of the month, not that situation. They're leaving the balance there because they don't have enough money to live off. And so if, but if you paid off, JB, but if you paid mm-hmm. off on, on your credit card, if you paid off monthly before they had the interest, is, is that the way to go? Is that a better way to go? Oh, definitely. Especially if you have a card that will give you like some sort of reward. Um, you know, they have a program where um, you if you can stay organized and keep up with the points that they're supposed to be giving you. Like, um, um, I'll use the one that's like connected to the um, a hotel stay, or I can get hotel points. Not to give a specific you know commercial, but. Whatever, like so. Then, if I need to stay somewhere, I can use those points, and so it gives me points for not just staying, but also for using their card. But you want to make sure that you're putting on that something that you can pay off, and that's different, you know, when using it for business expenses. But there's a a lot of us from, especially from a black business perspective, that (laughs) thank God. For my credit card, that's what I used as my credit line when I started my business. Like, that is our credit cards, you know, come through for us in many ways. But what that means is we can't leave a balance on it or we have to pay it off as soon as you get paid for that contract, as soon as you get paid for that work. It had, the balance has to be paid off from a business perspective. But most individuals, They make the same amount of money every month. So their challenge is is to live within that budget. If If you're living within your means, you will not have a credit card balance. You will not owe on that on those credit cards or you know, you will not have that line of that equity line. You know, and I keep hearing this a lot, like um because 
the mortgage companies are becoming really aggressive because people aren't buying. So they're starting to just get try to get people to pay off their credit cards using their home equity. And mm. what you're doing there is taking a non-collateralized debt. Like, you, you know, the things that you buy on a credit card, the interest rate is so high is because they don't have any collateral. They're not going to come and take your shoes back. But if you take that, pay them off, pay it off using your home equity, now you have extended a consumer debt over 30 years. And, wow. and, and I'll tell you what, JB, hold, hold that yeah. thought right there, because I need you to drill down on that. But we got to take a quick mm-hmm. break here, take our first look at the traffic and weather. I think this is important information for folks should, should need to know. And hey, if you're out there, you're listening, you got questions about money, especially this time of the end of the year. And you got JB is the person you need to talk to. Reach out to her at 800-450-7876. We'll take your phone calls right here in four minutes at 14 after the top. They are in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL where information is power. And good morning again, family. It's one minute after the top of the hour. We're trying to build some black wealth here for all our listeners with J.B. Bryant from Afro Economics. And J.B., we're talking about the end of the year and some of the moves that we should be making. I'll let you finish your thought and explain it to us. Yeah, and we were um, talking about like this is uh, it seems to be a full court press on our community about using your home equity to pay off um, credit cards. And I was saying uh, that it's really important that we notice that those, that's not what your home equity is for. And by using credit cards or paying off cars or um, buying investment properties, using your home equity in the house that you live in is a, a really high-risk high decision for you to do because if your financial situation changes, um, you're making it harder for you to stay in your house because you're making the debt on that particular property you know, even higher um, and really for no reason because those – you know, I, I know someone would not want to not pay their credit cards back, but if you don't pay your credit card, you lose your job, you don't pay your credit cards, or you don't pay your car, you know, they still can't take your house. They can't take your house. They're only going to take those things. But if you take all of that, that luxury stuff and put it into a necessity, we have to live somewhere, then... You're, you know, increasing your debt on what you really need in order to protect yourself and your family at risk for no reason, just because many people go, well, I just want one bill. I just want one bill. Well, pay the other stuff off. Get rid of the other stuff. Well, let me jump in here, JB, and ask you this, though. What about the times when... It's a necessity. It's not like I, I want something, you know, something luxurious, but I, I'm just broke and I just got to pay the light bill. I want to keep the lights on. I, I've got to make a move. Mm-hmm. Uh, your suggestion yeah. then you don't use a credit card or and if you don't have the money on your debit card, what's what's your move? That's right. That's what the credit card is for. But if you have a credit card balance and you need to, and you want to get rid of it because you don't want to make that payment. 
you know, that's no reason to put it on your home equity. That's all I'm saying. Like, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you haven't been able to make ends meet. Your credit card balance is up to $10,000. And, you know, that's no reason to take that $10,000 or $20,000 because you get a phone call and they go, we can give you a home equity line of credit of, you know, $70,000. You got equity here. And you get all excited about it and you start just putting all these debts on it, you know, and then they're excited because that home equity line is an adjustable rate. So they can, they're protected, no, and they have collateral. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. All right. So what do you do then? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you you saying that that's not that's not the move to make. So uh, and you've got to keep the lights on. Yeah, you got to keep it. So what do you do, JB? Use the credit card and then make sure that you keep that consumer debt away from your um where you live, where you lodge or you know if you have a mortgage loan because that and that debt is so much bigger. So it's impact on your credit, you know, standing is so much, you know, it's going to be so much bigger because if you miss a mortgage payment, that loan is so big. So, you know, you focus on that. I might not have, you know, I don't have this money, so I need to reduce my expenses or I need to, um, you know, change some habits that I have. Uh, Because if you're going to work every day at the same job that you always have, you know, you have to realize that your income increase probably wasn't enough to keep up with the same standard of living that is required right now. Like if you were making 150000 and you didn't get a big raise because groceries, everything costs more. Even though your mortgage stayed the same, trying to maintain the house costs more. Property taxes are higher. Everything is higher. So, the, you know, there might be some adjustments that you need to make in order to protect that which is important to you. So we need to make sure that we set up priorities. Is that vacation, taking that cruise in December, if that's a priority to you, don't, you know, talk to, you know, your friends about how January you can't pay your bills. That's a conscious decision, and we need to really become accountable, which is a major principle in Afroeconomics, you know, accountability and organization, that we have to plan for every, everything that we spend our money on. It has an impact on our financial future, and we don't want to think that. If you're, you know, you're, you're gambling every weekend, that's going to have an impact on your financial future, especially when you've decided that 
I'll go in and win enough to pay off my bills or I'm going to, you know, these are things that the research is saying that, unfortunately, black women in alarming numbers are doing. Where? And so, well, let me, let me, since you're talking about the sisters, uh, I was in the store the other day, and the sister was by, had a, a shopping basket full of Christmas stuff, you know. And yeah. I looked at her like, "Wow!" And, and unless unless you're going to keep them, if if you if Christmas mm. is your thing, and, and then you you're going to mm. have it for many many Christmas years, you don't have to do this next year. Maybe that's a good buy. Mm. But if you, this is you're going to go home right now and stop decorating, and then the day after Christmas you got you got to either toss them or, or put them mm. in storage. Mm. You got to question that kind that kind of mentality. What do you say to folks who are who are already buying Christmas gifts already? Mm. Yeah, they, if they feel that they have to do that, you know, I really do feel sorry for them. You know, because I feel that for your listeners, most of us are just exchanging things to people that already have everything they need. Now, what even is more disappointing to me is when, you know, we, you put up the Christmas tree and, you know, I've, I always take a, I, a child off of it for the holidays and then I tell my daughter to take a child off for, you know, so we have these two children that we're ad- adopted for the holidays and it has things on there that I know the family could use better stuff. I feel that we need to have, like, uh, you know, adopt a family, like, do something for a young person, but let it be stuff that's important. It needs a coat. I mean, you know, they have stuff like Xbox, uh, you know, so-and-so station, so-and-so games, uh, uh, the, um, you, know, these, you know, these things that are not where this particular family may not even, you know, have money for rent. For January, or why can't they put on there, we're two months behind on our rent, and I only have to pay $50 a month, so I really need $100. But it's everything to them. But we go to a you know, store and spend $100 and just junk, put it under there, send it back. We feel good about it, but we really haven't helped that family. And it just keeps going on over and over and over, I guess, just to make people with money feel good about themselves that, oh, yeah, you know, we did that. We took this thing up there. We got them everything they had on the list. But none of it, to me, I don't feel anything real on there. I would rather buy toilet tissue and, you know, I mean, these things are expensive. You know, paper towels. Well, well, let's bring it a little closer, JB. Uh, Thanksgiving mm-hmm. is coming up, and of course, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 everybody, people who participate in this in this holiday, they, they, it's a gluttonous holiday. Just people just buy a lot of food. And I've been to places that uh, back in the day when I used to uh, do Thanksgiving. You know, pies yeah. untouched. <laughs> you know, food untouched. Right. Turkey half a turkey. Right. Just go in the trash the next day. Right. What do you say to folks who are right now this week going to go out and and buy their food for this Thanksgiving meal. Uh, You know, they don't understand about Thanksgiving, but that's a whole different conversation. Mm. But they don't have the money, and yet still they feel that there's a pressure that that they feel that they have to provide this kind of of food spectacle for for their family. How should they deal with it? people that come to your house don't realize that it costs you to have company. There's extra expenses every time somebody comes in your door. They flush your toilet more than you would have flushed. 
They, you know, you're keeping on the power. You're keeping on the heat. You're keeping on. You're you're doing something more. You bought more paper towels. You bought more toilet tissue. You bought more. You know, you every time you have company, and so we have to decide: Can you really afford to have company? No. And the, I remember in good times, every time, like, if somebody couldn't pay their rent, like, they would have the rent party and stuff. And, you know, really, like, we should, you know, be doing things right within your family. There's people that are struggling, but nobody wants to hear about it. We're in denial. Well, well here's an alternative. If, if you're going to do that, everybody chip in, you know, sort That's of like right. a potluck uh, at Thanksgiving right. dinner. That's if, if, if yeah. That, yeah. That's right. I don't like that with food, but a lot of people do that. Like, and then we have to realize the risk involved. I would much rather go somewhere to eat and, and I bring my own food. Everybody bring their own food. You know, and we just sit out and we exchange. But then I don't have to worry about did they put dairy in it? Is this got gluten in it? Is there, are these are these greens organic? You know, just like you know, yeah. then you don't have to worry because you know, we all have uniquely our own dietary needs. They say that our bodies are like 99% unique, but we still sit around and eat the same thing. Like, I can't eat macaroni and cheese. I mean, I can eat it and I can enjoy it, but I'm looking like a pumpkin the next day. Like, it's so, but we're all sitting around and eating it. I, I can look at some children and I'll say to the mother, does your child eat dairy? And she said, yes. And I, like, I had to stop myself because I could see their dairy allergy in their face. And I go, please, you know, consider stop giving them dairy. Like, we have so many, you know, food allergies in our community and we just ignore it. Ignore right. Just ignore it. So... And the, and the and the fried turkey just is just blowing my mind that you can take a a bird and deep fry it and call it food. That is so, that JB, is you're bowling down somebody's fun. alley right now, so you know a lot of people like that kind of stuff. I mean, I didn't know you we didn't. We got to stop. And look, and if you go to like Popeyes or Bojangles, because I'm from the South, that's when I knew it was all over that you can go to a house that used to have a baked turkey, and they tell you they picked up their turkey from Bojangles yesterday. I feel like crying. It's just like wow. it's all over for and, us. Jimmy, hold, yeah, hold that thought right there. we got to take a short break and take our fr- first look at the news, traffic, and weather for this week. But before we go, one of our listeners just says we should get passports for our black children this year. If we want to do something, if we're looking at mm. next year's election, if you want to give a, a gift, get a black, <laughs> get them a, pass to po- a passport. Because I guess the implication is there if, if Donald Trump wins. But I want to get your thoughts on, on that. Is that practical, you know, looking, at, looking overseas where people are, are talking about now what you know, looking on the politics of stuff, we're going to talk about this later with Dr. Gerald Horn. But is that how do you see that? I want you to break that down when we get back. As I mentioned, we've got to check the news, traffic, and weather in our different cities. We're back in four minutes, though, at 26 minutes away from the top of the hour. We're live in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. 
And good morning again, family. 20 minutes away from the top there with our guest, uh, uh, Jamie Bryan from Afroeconomics. We're talking about how to build uh, wealth for the black community in 2024. You want to join this conversation, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Before we go back to it, let me just remind you, coming up later this morning, we're going to speak with one of our top scholars, Dr. Gerald Horn will be here. We're going to talk about the situation in, in Ukraine and also in Gaza. Also, we're going to talk some sports if we have some time with, with Dr. Horn. Also, Cora Masters Barry will join us to preview this weekend street naming for Mayor Marion Barry, Mayor for Life. Later this week, you're going to hear from Attorney Malik Shabazz, Afrocentric Educator, Dr. Kemet Shockley, Appeals Dr. Kalichi Igwin, and also uh, author Dr. Tyreen Wright's going to be with us. So make sure your radio is locked in tight in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 at AM 1450 WOL. All right, JB, we've seen people yeah. making these moves to Africa, mostly Ghana, and, and one of the reasons they say, other than mm-hmm. cultural, is, mm-hmm. is economics. They feel that their money mm-hmm. can go further in Africa than they can in the States. What do you say to people who are contemplating making that move? I've said that. Unfortunately, the reality of it is we have so many families that are broken up and divorced and separated that I run into people not being able to get passports for their children. Now, you know, and I'm talking about like, you know, close people from Africa, but getting married in the state. So you can't take that child out unless you both sign the paperwork. That's the United States. So if we can even get our couples, you know, that come here and have children and people here that have children to both of, you know, you've got to get into a state of co-parenting. It is amazing. If we look at the figures and amazing and a devastating would be a better word. The amount of money because we're not co-parenting correctly. And I looked at research one time, and it was saying that that um, over COVID, people were forced to start co-parenting. But now we're moving away from it again. And I say that meaning being committed to working together and 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 just focusing on the child and making sure that your children get everything that they need. Now, do you truly feel? that this is in their best interest being able to leave the country, you're going to have to sit down and agree on that and not try to hide it from each other, not try to be slick with it. You know, I mean, it is so dangerous to try to do things behind each other's back like that, you know, and then not to mention how mentally that is on, you know, impacts the child. And, um, you know, there's so much pain in our community now that we have to, you know, address it. And it's amazing that you brought that up because I have a couple, you know, um, going through that right now. And they're terrified that the other's going to get the passport without the other knowing it and take them back home, you know, to Africa and the, you know, other parent not be able to stop it. Well, they're not going to get a passport in the United States. They, you know, they're going to have to get them to sign off. So it's not even yeah, but, worth worrying about. But, but, but worry yeah, about but once once they once they clear that hurdle, though, is is it less expensive to leave, to live on the continent than it is here? Because <laughs> everything looks greener on the other side. But is it really greener? I haven't seen that to be true. Like they can't, you know, really do it without going back and forth. 
And the back and forth is the where it gets really expensive. You know, after you've been here for a while and then you have certain rights that you have to protect, so you have to come back here or go back there, it's really expensive to try to hurdle that. But if you go in and fully commit to, you know, living in the way your culture does and not try to bring American habits back home or bring American habits to, because I don't care what country you live in, if you want to live like we live in America, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Just is. Like, even if you go to Costa Rica, you want to live on the water of Costa Rica, it's expensive. No, we got a lot of people moving to Costa Rica because they say it's cheaper, but you're living farther from the water than you live when you were in D.C. <laughs> so, it's a, you know, you're going to go that far to live, you know, in the most undeveloped area so you could save money? You're not accustomed to that. You're just not accustomed. But as long as you want, you don't think about, oh, I want to, you're, you're going to live like this. Like, you can't cut your expenses and live somewhere where it costs them more to live like we live. Does that make sense? You want to live like I live? It, yeah, it does. I, I was just reading this tweet yeah. question that I, yeah, I was just reading this tweet question, JB, that I got for you, 15 at the top. Yeah, this person is, is, wants to buy a, a refrigerator and a stove for, for Christmas and just wants to know, is this the opportune time to take advantage of the Black Friday sales or should she wait, wait until next year? Why are they, you know, you, first of all, you have to make sure that you really need it because we spend a lot of money just because you're tired of looking at the other one or I just want another one. I mean, you know how many people in our community have like two or three refrigerators or freezers, two freezers in the, what? I, I don't know, but I personally would not want frozen food. That is like, like frozen meat that's been there. Since last holiday, I saved that turkey from last year. That's not cool. There's fresh meat somewhere. So, but but you know, beyond that though, I, I think the question is, JB, is should should she take advantage of these uh, Black Friday specials because they already started? Should or should I mean, uh, or should she just wait it to, out? I mean, if you have to, if you feel that you have to, but um, it's probably cheaper now because they're going to have the incentives then to wait till January, you know, the, um, but if you have to, but you definitely should check out like scratch and dent, um, you know, where they'll have like their, you know, other place where you can get some that might have, you know, a dot on the back or something that someone didn't want that dot on the back, but we're getting carried away with our appliances and that's a lot of money. A lot of people can't afford these things. They have TVs and stuff on the front. They're, they're, they're you know, computers in the, in the refrigerators now. You can see through the outside, you know, so you don't have to open the door anymore. Like, I wonder how much, like, does that really save on the bill? You can't see the whole refrigerator from that glass square. But, I, you know, but these are, you know, the things where we're being encouraged to just waste our money when we have to really focus on, do I really need that? Do I really need it? Like we're preparing that maybe the other one's going to break down soon. But if you have one and it costs you a lot in maintenance, you wouldn't even really be asking that question because you would have to do it. So to ask that question means it's a luxury and not a really necessity. 
But the all right for 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 yeah. people who who are, who are thinking about taking advantage of these so-called Black Friday deals, should they wait till after Christmas when when the, these uh, retailers are still trying to move product and they still got products, so mm-hmm. they got to discount them to get rid of them? Should they wait till then? How do you see it? No, you're not going to get it anytime soon. You know, if you want to get it, like, because they're not keeping inventory in the store. So you go in, you might not get it till January, and you're buying it right now. They are smart now. You don't just go in like we used to, and, you know, they cart out the oven and this and that. They go, okay, we'll send it to you, and you'll get it. And you got to pay it all up front so, or finance it, but they're still getting their money up front. So, that you know, definitely if you need it, Go ahead and buy it now. I believe that the deals are going to be better now because they're having the promotion. They're not. If you're following the item, it should not cost more now. That's actually illegal for them to raise the price and then tell you that it's at a discount. That is false advertising, and people have done that. So, but if you're following the item and it says twenty percent off, you should know what twenty percent off is. But I do really feel that we should think about what we really need and what are we just wanting. And, if you know, I know that if you have, you know, if you do this, that you're going to have to be ac- accountable to it. Like, you know, but focus on. And I, I think that this whole mentality that I'm challenging us to have is the only mentality that we really should have as people who want to be healthy in the United States. Like, because there's so much materialism that is pushed at us. If we start going and working at our lowest self, just buying stuff that we want, or only doing things that we want to do, that remember that we're introducing another generation that's watching us to that same type of activity. So we're never going to be able to consider going to a different country and living well and living well and saving money because we don't need all of these things that we have here. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. So basically what you're saying then, JB, right, 10 10 away from the top there, what you're saying, we have to distinguish between wants and needs. Got to. It's a mindset. It's a mindset of many people because of what they didn't have as a young person. They have equated that if I have this, then, um, you know, there was this, this this, this man who grew up with a house that only had one bathroom. And he said, when I grow up, i got to have five bathrooms. And so he grew up and he bought this house with five bathrooms. 
Now, when he said that, like he was in some, I don't know, it was like maybe a small business meeting or something. He was trying to express how successful he is. And But the sad part about it is, do you really need five bathrooms? You probably needed five bathrooms when you had ten brothers and sisters. <laughs> but it, it might just be him and his wife at this point. So it's like we don't really, you know, and he's pulling away from something where he actually might need. Like he might need to do some more things for his health, or take care, allow his wife to stay home from work so that his life can be more pleasant. But they, now you have these five bathrooms, it might require that both of you work. So there's, you know, definitely we have to think, like, why am I doing this? Why do I feel like I need this? Do I really need this? And when, when you get to that, then you start really getting wealthy. You really get wealthy. I, I haven't met a rich person yet that had the slightest desire to show off. That is just don't. They're, 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 they're you know, we're coming up on a break, but I got to ask you about yeah. that, JB, because you, you're absolutely right. The people that I know that got money, you never know if they're, they're, they're filthy rich. They, yeah. they, some of them look dr- dressed like bums, you know, straight yeah. up. Yeah. But the, the people who. Label. Yeah, you don't have to show. So, where does that mentality come from, though? That's right. Because you know how much it costs. Like most of them built, especially if they're black, we have to build this on our own. So every dime that we spend, I feel that we want it to be accountable for. I want to make investments instead of just spending. But when we're young in the game, and I remember that when you had to have, like, every luxury car and you want everybody to acknowledge, you know, I'm rich, I'm rich, you know, this, see that, see that. Typically, that person is on their way out. And I remember doing that, and I said, if I continue this behavior, there's no way 30 years from now I'm going to be on the Carl Nelson show. So when people say, how are the black entrepreneurs go out of business? Because, you know, you've got to turn the flex off and focus on what's the best investment. But you know what? Of my oh, hold, hold that thought there because I want to get tell me want you to tell me how you turn that flex off because when i was growing up there was this dude who lived on our block every year he got a brand new cadillac a brand new a brown Cadillac. i mean just every year you know back then we didn't know he was financing it we thought he bought it you know and he was flexing yeah but i want you to tell us what was in you when you make that flip the switch what what triggered that how do you because a lot of people are going through that right now they feel they have to impress people but and it's not necessary those those early just didn't put a hole in your pocket, but what right. happened to you? Maybe you can help somebody, right. JB. Exactly. Six minutes uh, away from the top. Yeah, we're back with JB and her response right here after we check the latest traffic and weather in the news in Baltimore. Folks, you want to join this discussion? Hit us up at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Our information is power. And good morning again, family. Minute after the top of the hour, we have the financial advisor, J.B. Bryan from Afroeconomics. In a moment, we're going to talk about Marion Barry, but let's uh, finish up with J.B. J.B., my question to you, because, you know, and there were so many people in our community who do this. They like to flex, they get mm-hmm. a new car or, or something brand new, like like the friend of mine, mm-hmm. well, he was an acquaintance. He lived on my block, and every year he had a brown Cadillac, a two-dog brown Cadillac. He got the, every year, <laughs> like clockwork, uh, around uh, right, after, right after Labor 
holiday. He he would get and he would be driving up and down the street with his brand new Cadillac. He, he had to show people. You said right. that you were sort of in the same vein, but what happened to you? What, how did you flip that around? Yeah, I I think it's in the it, would, it just became a requirement is that I ha, I realized that I was going to have to be smarter in order to build a sustainable company that is a hundred percent mine. So if you don't, you're going to have to bring in partners and, you know, silent partners and things like that, that we often find out that exist behind our businesses. And uh, I, I have this commitment to walk like I talk, to be there will be a time where, you know, if it's God's will, that I have so much money that even being um, conservative is a flex. They'll, they'll be that time, but that time is not now. That time may never come, but it may come for my next generation. I'm, you know, that is, but if we're going to build something that is going to uh, be sustainable and scalable and run on its own, I have to constantly think when I, you know, what do I invest in next? Like, you know, that my printing and publishing my own book was like thirty five over thirty thousand dollars, you know, at, at least thirty five thousand. And then I did the audible form of it. And then I did the workbook and then I did the children's book. You know, if you're going to finance that, you're going to publish it yourself. That costs more than, you know, most of, you know, as much as one of these luxury cars. And I was like, I can have 124000 in this S500, which I did at one point, you know, and then, or I could take that 124 and put it into something that will pay for me forever. So, you know, there's days I wake up and somebody's gone to purchase stuff. If I still, you know, if I did put that into, you know, something to flex, it's not going to pay for you. But things that I feel that I have to invest in, is like my health, you know, so I, I, I spent a lot of money on protecting my health, making sure my immune system's up to point. I spent a lot of money on food. But those are investments because I'm, I'm the boss, and it can't exist without me. So, and I think right. sometimes the bosses forget that you are the business, just like, you know, if, if, if the CEO or Elon Musk, you know, God forbid, dies today, that stock's going to go crazy. It's going to go crazy. Warren, everybody knows Warren Buffett is, you know, the man's almost 100. But he is that business. It is his brain. He, you know, so he's had to put in a lot of work to stay healthy and sound mind that long. And I'm going to be just like that. I want you to have <laughs> me on the show together. And we're in our um, hundreds. Hey, listen, and one day it will happen, J.B. We're looking back and say, J.B. mentioned one day she's going to be like Elon Musk and, and Warren Buffett. And here she is. She's made it we're as a black woman. It. Listen. Yes, of course, of course. All right. Yeah. JB, thank you for sharing that, all this information again, because we're trying to build, and what JB is doing with our Afro-Economics group is trying to build uh, black wealth, yeah. generational black wealth, not just yeah. black wealth for today, so we can pass it on, and you know, kind of like the Kennedys mm. and the mm. Rockefellers have that money going through our mm. different generations. So JB, how can folks reach you? Please, one eight four four J B Brian J B. That's one eight four four five two two 
888-789-7926. Remember, I have the free membership that's available for you so you can just come to the meetings and get to know me. If you want to step up, then you can do the one-on-one membership level. But, you know, make sure it's called No Excuses. Get involved at afroeconomics.com. We need to have a consumer advocacy group that when something is done in our community, we can respond, you know, as a unit. Thank you. Right. And thank you, because that's what Neely Fuller's been teaching us. We've got to stay on code. We need a code. Thanks, JB. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all thank that you. information with us. All right, yeah. six minutes after the top of the hour now. Good morning, Cora Masters Barry. Welcome back to the program. Is Ms. Barry there on line six? Kevin? I'm sorry, I had your own mute. Good morning to you also. <laughs> Uh, good morning. Okay. I, was, I thought we lost you for a moment. Uh, uh, congratulations on an, another, I guess, uh, another event that's going to honor our mayor for life, Marion Barry. Can you tell us about it? Well, yes. I know that uh, from the moment Marion left us, uh, there were always uh, people who wanted to make sure that he was not forgotten and that his legacy was lifted up, starting with our mayor, Muriel Bowser who established the uh, Marionberry Commemorative Mayor's Committee, and they made recommendations. And the one that she took and really uh, performed magnificently was the eight-foot bronze statue of Marion uh, on uh, Pennsylvania Avenue, right in front of the uh, city hall. And then the city council uh, was uh, inclined to encourage the building of 441, the largest municipal building in the city after Marion. And now the people of Ward 8, who were very happy to see those things happen, including an exhibit in in the Martin Luther King Library, said that's all good and well, but there's nothing here in our ward, the ward that he lived his last many years in and represented. And uh, so they started a petition, and they came to me, and I said, if that's what you want to do, uh, I, you know, I'll support you, but it, you know, the, the community uh, will take the lead and and be uh, um, active with that, and they did. Uh, starting with Barbara Jones, I, and uh, they uh, they worked hard. They got petitions signed, they got T-shirts printed, and then after two or three years, the council member was gracious enough to introduce the legislation. It was passed unanimously, uh, and uh, here we are on the 18th. They're going to unveil the name Marion Berry to replace uh, Good Hope Road. It goes, it'll go from Anacostia Park all the way up to uh, Alabama Avenue. It goes straight through the ward, from Ward 8 all the way through Ward 7. And it is, um, it intersects when you first come off the bridge to come into Ward 8, you will come in on Martin Luther King. And so when you get to the corner that lets you enter the ward, you'll be on the corner of Marion Berry Avenue and Martin Luther King Avenue. And if you keep straight up Martin Luther King for another mile, then you'll be crossing Malcolm X. So it's where Malcolm, Marion, and Martin meet. Uh, so on that day, November 18th, everyone's going to be there to celebrate. We have some of his friends flying in to participate. Mark Moriel, president of the National Urban League, uh, his homeboy and friend, uh, Congressman Benny Thompson, uh, the mayor, of course, and many other people, music, uh, his favorite music, which was blues. going to be a couple of uh, songs there. And then, of course, his favorite band, the uh, EU, with 
uh, Sugar Bear and uh, uh, Scooby with Miss Kim and uh, Sirius. And they're going to be uh, benders. They're going to have really nice things. And three other stages. There's going to be Chris, Christopher's Corny, Corner, where there's going to be activation of young people doing various things uh, and also having a place for them to enjoy themselves. And let me well, let me ask yeah. you this question: uh, uh, the significance of, of where this three because you could have put it anywhere in DC. It wasn't just for Ward at seven and Ward eight. It was made for the entire district. Why do you think that this particular area was selected? Well, it wasn't selected. The people of Ward eight wanted it. Uh, they there were a lot of things in the district that are named after Mary, and there's a, as I said earlier. There's a library. I mean, the Martin Luther King Library has a, uh, a permanent exhibit up. The statues up uh, on downtown on Pennsylvania Avenue and over there, uh, 441 Judiciary Square, there's the building. But the Ward 8 people initiated it. They wanted it, and they wanted it on that street because it spans the whole ward, goes from Ward 8 to Ward 7, and it most importantly intersects with Martin Luther King. You know, I, I have met so many Washingtonians who have told me that their first job, they got their very first job because of Marion Barry. He managed to touch people on, on a personal level, even though he was the mayor. Pe the people tell me that they felt like he was speaking like they were, it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Whatever he did, he was doing it specifically for them. Can you explain how, how he managed to do that? Well, it just was who he was. He was born that way, uh Marion has always been, from birth, a very special person. He's a, he's a genius. Uh, when he left to go to the movement, he was getting a Ph.D. Uh, in chemistry. So he's always had a natural ability, but uh, his living in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, as I've often told the story, uh, that Marion uh, was very enterprising. Right? He was the first black Eagle Scout in the country. He, he wanted to work. And he couldn't because he lived in a segregated South in Memphis. And the only thing that black kids could do, especially boys, was to do a a a, a, a paper route to deliver papers. And he, these are his words, that one day if he got in a position, he would make sure the young people could work. And that was when he was 13, 14 years old. And uh, the other person always asked me, well, the other question that's always asked is, you know, his 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 fire for justice, and I always take it back to the fact that when he grew up in Memphis, black people could only go to the zoo on Thursday, and that injustice seared in his heart. So he had a deep heart for injustice, and he also thought that economic empowerment, and he was just a very, uh, I don't, I don't even know if that's the right word. I don't think that tells the story. If I said down earth, Marion was a very humble person in spirit and in personality. He never met anybody he looked up to. He always looked over to them and never looked down on anyone. And he, he was very personal with it. I mean, I always tell the story. I stopped going to the grocery store with him because it would take, instead of 45 minutes, it would take two, three hours because he, you know, getting people's numbers, helping them find jobs, hire your uncle. It was just who he was. And literally, literally, honestly, that's where he was all the time. 
Yeah, he was he was truly loved by not just people in Washington D.C., but all over the country. People loved the mayor and Barry. They liked what he stood for. He stood. He, he was unapologetically a, a black person. Loved black people. But hold that thought right there, uh, Cora Masters. Barry, we got to take a short break here. We got to check the traffic and weather in our different cities. We we'll come back. I want to ask you about your, your father too, because your father was also special. I think he was the first black Marine. Correct me if I'm wrong on that one, but I want you to talk about that as well. As I mentioned, we got to step aside and get caught up with the traffic and weather updates and we'll be back in four minutes right here at 14 after the top they are in four minutes right here in baltimore on 1010 wolb also in the dmv or on fm 95.9 and am 1450 wol or information is power Good morning again, family. 20 minutes out the top there with Cora Masters Barry. We're discussing this event that's taking place this weekend for Mayor and Barry. They're going to rename a street for him in the district. Before we go back onto that topic, though, uh, uh, your, your family, too, is also a, a generation of firsts of the so I've heard. So correct me if I'm wrong, that your dad was the first uh, uh, person, black person, to join the Marines. Is that true? Yes, my father, Alfred Masters, was recruited in 1942 to be the first black to be sworn in in the United States Marine Corps. Uh, during that time, the, the military was segregated. Uh, the Marines, who just celebrated their birthday uh, yesterday, uh, decided to uh, allow uh, black men to serve. I don't want to say desegregated, because even though they served, they were and a segregated unit, but like most first of black people at that time, they called them Negroes. Uh, I called it the Jackie Robinson syndrome that the black person that they were going to recruit had to be superior to anybody, be more qualified and uh, be more uh, uh, well qualified than the average person. So they were looking for a black man that fit the qualifications of being articulate, uh, uh, presentable, handsome, if you might. And uh, educated, so they, uh, my mother and father were married at Langston University, and they attended Langston in, in Oklahoma City, and recruiters saw them on the bus coming from Oklahoma City to Langston and uh, made the proposal to my father, and as things turned out, uh, they, he agreed to be inducted into the Marine Corps. Uh, my, he's not, it was in uh, July of um, 1942. And my mother actually had to sign a, a document giving him permission, uh, which is on display uh, at the Pentagon. And we did a show last week with Sean Nasty where they showed that. But anyway, he was inducted, and so he was actually, and uh, very intentionally, the first black man to enroll into the United States Marine Corps. Did he have any qualms about Doing it, breaking the color barrier, or did he, you know, or did he just say, yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in, or he's like, wow, what, am, what am I getting into, you know? Did he, did he well, think it about? 19, it? Well, nineteen, come and keep it. I always tell people, you know, by, by profession, I'm a political, I'm a professor. I taught political science and history for over twenty-two years at the University of the District of Columbia. I have a keen sense of history. And and uh, uh, while I'm in it and while we're, we're making it and when and understand it in real time, and this was 1942, if, if there was nothing good going on for black people in this country. Every lynchings were still going on. Everything was segregated. So to take 
have the courage to agree to go into something very unknown, uh, especially in light of what's known that black people didn't have citizenship. Everybody said secondhand citizenship. They weren't even able to vote at that point in time, not 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 legally. I mean, you know, there were a lot of suppression. So, yes, I'm sure that the conversation between my mother and my father about the the possibilities of what that would represent to him personally and also what it would represent to us as a people and in this country. But he went on and he did it, and uh, she stood by his side. And, well, I guess as they say, the rest is history, but it was unique, and it did have a tremendous impact on him psychologically uh, when he returned, and like many, many black people returning from their armed services, not just my dad. In in the 40s, he came back to it, you know, very clear again, racism and segregation, and it was an adjustment. So I'm not going to paint the picture that everything was rosy. Well, you know, it's not even that way now. So you can imagine what it was in 1942. All right, folks, you just joined us. Uh, I guess it's Cora Masters Barry. We're discussing uh, the na- renaming of a street in Washington, D.C. for Marion Barron. She's just reflecting on her dad, who was the first black to serve in the United States Marine Corps. Uh, did he go through, like, you know, Jackie Robinson went through some horrendous uh, issues when he was on, the, especially when he was on the road with the Dodgers. Did your dad go through any th- things like that? Oh, well, again, I'm going to emphasize it was 1942. So it wasn't a good place for black people. They did this as again desegregate the the uh, Marine Corps, but they but they it, they they integrated it, but they didn't desegregate it. So yes, they he was in an all because they said then all Negro company. The pictures I see of him in the mess hall are all black people everywhere. So the black poor of the Marine Corps, and I'm sure in other branches of government, I'm sure we're not given uh, equal treatment uh, there as anywhere else. So it was was hard. It was hard. I've known several people who have served in World War II, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, uh, one of my uncles, and, you know, they they were in uh, the Army, and they were on the grave digging detail. So that's what black people did. You know, I don't. I just don't imagine that they were treated with the kind of dignity and respect that they deserved. It just wasn't the nature of this country at that time. All right. Let's talk about the Marion Barry. Uh, he came out after the 72 uh, black power meeting in Gary with, a, with like Harold Washington, Manna Jackson, Ken Sharp, uh, Tom Bradley. We, we had a, a splurge of, uh, of black mayors leading our urban centers. But the one they talk about the most is Marion Barry. I mean, he's, he's so revered. How did that field of, of, of uh, black elected officials are coming out of, of Gary, the one that people always talk about. And, and when they think about Washington, D.C., they think about Marion Barry. Why did he leave his imprint so, so large on the district? What, what, is, what is it about him? Because you know him personally. What is it about Marion well, Barry that, that you think? One of the things about Marion was of all the names that you mentioned, and I knew all of them, Marion came into uh, government uh, from the movement. Uh, He moved to Washington, D.C., from uh, the South, from Tennessee and other places. Uh, Benjamin Hooks, who was over the NAACP at the time, was one of Marion's mentors and encouraged him 
to bring SNCC and some of the other movements up to Washington. Well, Marion came and established an organization uh, called Pride, which, again, very early on was an organization that empowered black men to work, put them to work. And he got involved in the the plantation mentality and and activity of how the District of Columbia was being ruled by uh, uh, committees in both the House and the Senate. And, you know, he called it an occupational army. Uh, President Lyndon Johnson, if you read his, his tapes and his records from him, he was president. He, I mean, Marion, I didn't even know he, his first name was Marion. They call him that SOB Barry because he was creating such a disturbance in the District of Columbia. And but so the principles that he developed and, and lived by and fought for in the movement, in the uh, SNCC movement when he was the national president, he took those principles uh, into government. And Andy Young, uh, former ambassador and, and mayor, told me the same thing. He said, Marion was the only one of us who took the principles of the movement and were able to transform them into developing a community and a city. So he was revered because he came in with a set of principles that he came that he developed in the movement, you know, the, the economic and powerful power movement, you know, uh, uh, black pride, uh, ensuring that economically black businesses could get a fair shake at development. And so he was core. His core philosophy was, as he used to say, you get children out of poverty when you get their parents out of poverty, but you just don't give them, get, get them out of poverty. You give them something so they can be empowered and make generational wealth. And that's actually what he did. And so when you hear people say they got their first summer job from Marion Barry, it's not just their first summer job, but from there, they were able to do a lot of things in their life. And so we have a whole community out here in Prince George's of people living in gated communities that develop both through their businesses and their years of government service uh, wealth that they could transfer to other generations. So I think he's revered because his goal was to empower the people, and he did it on a policy level. And he also did it on a very personal level. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Yeah, uh, 30 minutes out of the top. I'm glad you mentioned his work with SNCC because that seems to be the, the dividing line with the other folks, uh, the other mayors that I mentioned because he, he was grassroots. So he he had those principles that, he you know, finding in the civil rights movement uh, with SNCC 
and he, and he applied them working as mayor of Washington, D.C., which is not just an average city. It's the capital of the country. So, you know, if there we have a black man running the, the capital of the United States, and he's running it in a black way. Why do you think so so many of these, we've, you know, not the, the list that I mentioned that came out of the Gary 72 uh, Black Power Summit, but the mayors that we have today, they don't seem to have that that fervor. They don't seem to, I don't know how to describe it. They don't seem to have that love for black folks like like uh, the group that I mentioned that came out of the black the, uh, the Gary meeting and Marion Barry. They, they don't seem to have that. Is it a generational issue? How do you see it? Well, again, as a historian, this is the different times that we live in. When Marion uh, reigned as mayor of Washington, D.C., uh, it was right after the uh, Civil Rights Movement and the Black Power Movement had gone on. And uh, the city was ripe for change, and it was 70% black. So it was a very different time for all of them. Uh, Maynard Jackson and all of them, most of the cities that they ruled over, were primarily majority black. That's how Maynard got elected. That's how Carl Stokes got elected in Cleveland. And then, like he said, in Gary, Indiana, uh, Hatcher, and uh, even later on down the road, not too much later, was Harold Washington. But Marion's pension for justice and for economic empowerment made him stand beyond them because that was the basis of how he set up the government. And he had a lot of undoing to do because the city had been run and controlled by the uh, committees in the House and the Senate, but the district committees and, you know, like Macmillan out of South Carolina, uh, Senator Macmillan had all his friends come up from South, from South Carolina and other parts of the South and, and take over these jobs they were giving them luxury salaries for for the police and the fire department. So Marion not only had to come in and try to in, in, uh, in execute uh, uh, a program, but he also had to do some moving out, of course, which made him a target. Uh, he got a lot of those good old boys and sent them on back down to Arkansas and put a lot of the residents in those jobs. So he had a bigger job to do than everyone else. It was it was the nation's capital, so it was multi-layered. Yeah, and but he did it effectively, and he saw economics. He saw that that was the, the the gateway for us to move on up as black people living in this country. And he made his mark in Washington D.C. Listen, we got to take a quick break here. We got to check the traffic and weather. I want you to talk about that when we come back, though. Why did he focus on economics? Mayor Jackson did that when it was they were building the airport in in Atlanta. But for most of the other mayors, they they uh, they, they took a back seat and let the other folks keep running the economy of their cities, but not Mayor and Barry. And, and I want you to explain that first when we get back after we take a look at the news, traffic, and weather in our different cities. Twenty six minutes away from the top of our family, we'll be back. In four minutes right here with Cora Masters Barry in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB in the DMV. We're rolling on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL where information is power. And good morning again, family. I guess this is Dr. Cora Masters Barry. She's uh, informing us or previewing this weekend street naming for Marion Barry, the mayor for life. We'll get back to her in a moment, though. Let me just remind you, coming up later this morning, we're going to speak with Dr. Gerald Horn. He's one of our top scholars. He's going to give us an update on the Israel-Gaza uh, conflict and, and also if that, possibly that could trigger World War III. Dr. Horn will also analyze recent elections and what it means for the Democrats who are now shedding supporters and calling for Biden to step down. So we're going to talk politics. And if 
time permitting, we'll also talk some sports with uh, with Dr. Horn. Later this week, uh, attorney Malik Shabazz will join us, also Afrocentric educator Dr. Kemet Shockley, the appeal uh, 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 Dr. Uh, uh, Kelechi Igwin will also be here, along with uh, Tyrone Wright, Dr. Tyrone Wright, I should say. She's an author of a book about Booker T. Washington. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in tight on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Uh, Ms. Barry, the fact that when Marion came in and took over as mayor of Washington, D.C., one of the things he, he looked at, the he, the inequality as far as the economics of running this the district was, was concerned, and he stepped in and made those changes. What was it about that that he saw that that was where he should make his mark? Why do you think he did that right away? Well, he really came up here for that purpose, as I said earlier in our interview, that uh, Marion joined the civil rights movement of, coming out of uh, uh, college in in Tennessee. He was working on his Ph.D. in in chemistry. He was the first national chair of of SNCC. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but he was one of the founders. They they were founded at Shaw University. There's a great picture of him and King and and, uh, some of his alpha brothers there. And uh, he became the first, uh, well, the first president of SNCC and, you know, was very active in the movement. Uh, Stokely succeeded him a couple of persons behind, and so did John Lewis. But Marion was the first. And, again, uh, Benjamin Hooks, who was at that time the national president of the NAACP, was one of Marion's mentors and said to him, you need to go and start another chapter of SNCC in Washington, D.C., and when Marion got here, one thing led to another. He, you know, he was immediately jumped into the Free D.C. movement, which was, of course, a, re, a resistance to the uh, home, lack of home rule, the plantation type uh, government that was going on in the, in the district when he came up here. And so he became, I guess, what they would call a rabble rouser and an advocate and uh, was eventually, you know, took off his dashiki and put on his suit and became the mayor of this city. And what a mayor he was, too. I just got a tweet from somebody. A tweeter says, for, for you, Cora Masters Barry, a tweeter says, thank you for keeping his name alive. Marion Barry was the best mayor we've ever had to run our city. He especially cared about our children and provided them jobs. Uh, do you want to you want to respond to anything about that tweet? Well, I had said earlier what inspired him to start the Summer Jobs Program, the much-renowned and heralded Summer Jobs Program. Uh, But he was not just great with the youth. He was also uh, made this a place for uh, anybody who was aging. I used to say, when I get old, and I am now, uh, I would love to live in the District of Columbia because this was uh, a place of privilege and 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 pride for elderly people. I mean, they were barely paying for anything. They had a golden ticket to ride the public transportation. He had all kind of services and activities for them. So he talked about t- treating people in the dawn of their life and in the dust of their life. And uh, so, and then between uh, the young people and older people that he was caring for and and empowering. He made sure that African-Americans, black people, black people, not diversity, not not equity, not all of that. Black people got an opportunity 
to make money. So he had a program that he instituted where you had 33 and a third percent of every contract that came to the District of Columbia, a black person had to be have have that percentage of that. So, and he also did uh, opened up Black Wall Street. He's a legend in, uh, on Wall Street because he uh, supported and encouraged black uh, Wall Street uh, brokers to uh, get bond money from the District of Columbia that was able to ensure that these people could set up their businesses for life. That a lot of that generational wealth that comes out of uh, uh, out of uh, out of Wall Street uh, in New York uh, was because Marion opened the door. So, yeah, he was just that person. I mean, I could, you know, he just he was just amazing. He was able to get all of that done. However, I will be honest and say I don't think it's fair uh, to compare him. Uh, to all the other subsequent mayors because times change and, and circumstances do. Like we have a mayor now in Washington, D.C., who's who really is a reincarnation of Marion in her policies and a lot of the things that she does. But because this is 2023 and, ni- and not 1979, she has a lot of competing interests that she has to deal with that Marion wasn't uh, – wasn't confronted with. All right, 14 away from the top of the hour. As I mentioned, uh, this weekend they're going to change Good Hope Road to Marion Barry Avenue. We'll give you more information about that. But let me ask you this, uh, Corps Masters Barry. When, when Marion Barry was mayor, it was the chocolate city. Now, uh, Washington, D.C. is no longer the ch- uh, chocolate city. How do you think he would handle this gentrification? Well, just, that's why I said I didn't think it was fair. Uh, because the city is different. All the inner cities are different than they used to be. Uh, when he was mayor, we were like 70% black, and now it's 40% black. So it's not it's competing interests. You know, people like to talk about gentrification, but people are moving, people are moving in, people are moving out. Uh, a lot of people have settled outside the district into Maryland uh, in the... Uh, uh, Prince George's County, uh, which was, which at this point is the, uh, the, uh, is run by the a county executive, Angela Alsobrooks, who's running for Senate. But a lot of her constituents, most of them uh, had roots in the District of Columbia. So, yeah, it's, it, it's a different way that you're dealing with it now than you were before. You got a different kind of Congress. And, um, you know, there are a lot of young people with yeah, a whole lot of money. And they come in, like here, like every other major city, they have a lot of money. And so they can afford these high-priced condos and, and, and the real estate is going through the roof. So that's a different set of problems for this mayor than it would have been for Marion. Well, that's why I asked the question. Do you change, think he would have changed his tactics because – the city, as we mentioned, was a chocolate city. It was known as the chocolate city. Now it's not. It's just 40%, probably less black residents, homeowners in, in the district. Would he have to change his strategy to deal with it well, the reflect, and reflect the, uh, the makeup? Well, what he actually did was anticipate that, to be quite honest. Marion had all kinds of, of, of uh, policies and in place to protect against gentrification. He had, uh, for instance, in many of the buildings 
requirements that they had to have X number of affordable housing, that they had to cap the, the rent or the 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 uh, cost of the of the unit or the home to a certain level. He had that in terms of housing. He had in terms of business. He had all of that. But subsequent mayors came behind him and either watered down or eliminated those those protections, those uh, safety nets. So, yes, he would have been much more active as he was in ensuring that there was a protection for the residents that had spent, you know, their lives. And in many cases, second and third generation Washingtonians. But there were mayors who came behind him were not from Washington. As a matter of fact, had no history in Washington and didn't have the same compassion or understanding or courage or interest in protecting uh, the the residents. So, yeah, he, he, he would have and he did take a different approach. All right, 10 away from the top of the hour with Cora Masters Barry. You know, earlier we read a, 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 a quote of, a, of, uh, from one of our listeners. To thank you. Well, thank you for Marion Barry. Um, my question to you is, do you get that a lot? And when you walk around the district and people find out who you are, uh, are they still thanking you for what uh, Marion Barry did? <laughs> That's a joke for me. I mean, not a joke. It's kind of amusing to me. Uh, number one, when I leave my house, if I get out of my car, I promise you, every day of my life, someone's going to tell me something. A lot of them start when I got my first summer job, but, you know, the love is generational because some of the people who speak to me didn't even know him, but they just felt they did because of family members and stories. And it's just a part of the life that I live, and I don't. And I don't expect anything less. It's kind of funny. I built a $50 million tennis and education facility over here, the Southeast Tennis and Learning Center. And, uh, you know, it was on the Arts Commission and reversed equity in terms of the monies that were going out to the privilege as opposed to all creative. I did all of that. And, and we always joke. And somebody will walk up and say, oh, thank you so much for your service. But let me tell you about your husband. So, yeah, that's never going to stop. But that's got to be a good feeling, though, that he's he was loved by so many for, uh, in so many different walks of life, and not just Washingtonians. Uh, even on the radio here were people calling from different cities and talk about Marion Barry and wish they had a Marion Barry who was running their town. So it, it's, 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 it's sort of a universal they saw him as you, we say mayor for life, but he, he was like, and, the, and the, somebody wants to, Rudy Giuliani wants to call himself America's mayor. If Rudy Giuliani wants to be America's mayor, then Marion Barry was definitely black America's mayor. Your thoughts? I agree with that because he had a, a, a comprehensive love and uh, an outreach uh, for his people. Like I said, uh, it wasn't just the district. It was the black uh, Wall Street brokers who came to Marion and asked, could he help with them getting bond business from the city? And so, I mean, that was very in- impactful. Marion's summer job program has been replicated. They have attempted to be replicated all across the country, and I can go on and on and on. So a lot of people, national people, as well as um residents of other areas and other cities and municipalities have benefited from his policies. So I agree with you on that. 
All right, we got to take another short break and check the traffic and weather in our different cities and the news in Baltimore. When we come back, though, I want you to give us the, the details on this weekend's uh, street naming ceremony for Marion Barry. It's going to take place November the 18th. Folks, you want to join this conversation with Dr. Cora Masters Barry, reach out to us at 800 450 7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL for information. His power. Keep and good morning again, family. A minute after the top of the hour, Dr. Cora Masters Barry, Dr. Gerald Horn's on deck. We'll get to him momentarily. But uh, uh, Dr. Barry's inviting everybody to the street naming ceremony this weekend. So, uh, Cora Masters Barry, give us the information. How can we, how can we enjoy this celebration along with yourself? Is Dr. Barry still with us? Has she got a phone on mute? Yeah, I did it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's going to be a celebration of uh, the legacy. Uh, there's an old African proverb that says, uh, if you continue to speak someone's name, they will never die. So, in, in naming that street, Marion will never die because his name, that his name will be called a thousand times a day. That's a very, very big a popular street uh, in the city. So at 12 o'clock on, on November 18th, this coming Saturday, uh, there's going to be celebration. There's going to be two or three different uh, bands. I'm sorry, stages with different kind of music. Uh, there'll be vendors. There will be uh, performances at Christopher's Corner. Christopher Berry was Marion's son who died much too young and well-loved here in the city, and there are going to be performances. And then we're going to have speakers from the National Urban League. Uh, we will have uh, Mark Morial. We'll have, again, Congressman Benny Thompson from Mississippi. There will be, uh, of course, our, our mayor here, and and there will be singing and, and vi- videos and all of that going on. So from 12 to 4, or if you stay after four, they're going to like to, oh, I'm not supposed to tell that. That's a big surprise that's supposed to happen. But there you'll enjoy yourself. There'll be uh, entertainment information and uh, uh, celebration. So please, you're welcome. It's 1800 Martin Luther King Avenue or on the corner of Marion Berry and Martin Luther King. Uh, ask anybody. It'll be easy to get to. All right, and that's in Southeast D.C., we're formerly known as Good Hope Road. That's right. So let me ask you this before I let you go, though. Marion Barry, would he have liked this? Was he was he about that pomp and circumstance? Would, would he have liked this event that's going to take place this weekend? I just said something about yesterday. I said, Marion is somewhere grinning from ear to ear. Marion likes attention. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. He loved it. I mean, we would show up at Howard University graduation late. And I would say, let's wait back here until, and he'll just walk right to his seat. I'll never forget this. He he was walking to his seat. The graduates stopped and started pointing their finger to him saying, oops, there he is. He loved that kind of stuff. So, yeah, he would love this. So how can we find, all right, so how can we get more information? Is there a website, email address or something that we can do you have that yeah, we have handy? Yeah, we have code up. Yeah, well, no, the website, they can go up on the website and get the information. Uh, and also on social media, on the uh, on, on uh, Instagram and on Facebook, there's a paper date all over the place. 
so any one of those things, just go on social media and look up Mary and Barry Celebration or the Mary and Barry Legacy Foundation dot org, and you'll get it. But it's all over social media. I've looked at various postings of the flyer, and I've never seen anything like that. But you look at how many or reposts. Sometimes you'd have two and three hundred reposts on on it. So it's it's very accessible. You know, at my age, I I will I will concede everything's online. <laughs> right. Cora Masters Barry, thank you. Thank you for what you've done and working with Marion Barry, and we'll see you out there this weekend. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye. All right. That's Dr. Cora Masters Barry, and this is a celebration, the street naming ceremony tip for Marion Barry. It's going to be uh, November 18th. From starts at noon. That's uh, where King Jr., Martin Luther King Jr. Avenue and Marion Barry Avenue. That's what's going to be known now in Southeast D.C., formerly known as Good Hope Road, uh, Southeast. So make sure you, you go out there and attend to that. Four after the top of the hour, Dr. Gerald Horn, good morning. Thank you for inviting me. Good to have you here because you can help us, uh, uh, you know, analyze some of the stuff that's going on in the world. That's why we have you here. And it seems like the situation going on in Gaza, between Gaza and Israel, it's been going on for more than a month now. We talked about it before. How much longer do you think this this will continue, though, before the world? We've already heard the Paris is speaking up and says, you know, enough is enough time out. We're not hearing a lot from the rest of the world, though. What's going on here? Well, I do think we are hearing quite a bit. Recall that on Saturday, uh, the 57 nations from the Arab and Muslim world met in Saudi Arabia, and they some floated the idea of an oil boycott of Israel and its chief ally, speaking of the United States. Recall what happened in 1973 when there was another war and there was a boycott. You had cars in the United States lined up for miles trying to get a fill-up of gasoline. I think that in terms of how long this conflict will last, it's unclear, because what hap- what's happening is that Israel has blundered. What I mean is that here you have a nation that's casualty-averse. It does not like to have its soldiers wounded or killed. So they put them in tanks. The problem is tanks are not very helpful in crowded Gaza, not to mention the fact that the news items are replete with stories about these tunnels that the opposition has built that uh, stretches for hundreds of miles. And so the bombing does not necessarily inflict any pain on them. And so the idea seems to be that Israel wants, wants to wage a war against civilians drive them out of Gaza, perhaps into the desert, uh, the Sinai Desert of Egypt, and perhaps then turn its attention to the West Bank and drive those people out as well. In other words, a replay of the ethnic cleansing of 1947-1948. Now what's happening as well is that many nations are talking about trying to bring the Israeli leadership to the International Criminal Court in The Hague, and if that happens, I dare say that their accomplices, the aiders and the betters at Washington, may be concerned about their being dragged into the International Criminal Court in the Hague. But before we get to that, is there a possibility that this conflict between uh, Hamas and the Israelis could spread, could, could widen or could trigger a World War III? Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans and your treatment. 
Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Oh, absolutely. I was just checking the media before I came on your airwaves, and already there's a war of words heightening between Hezbollah in southern Lebanon. They have the ability to inflict 150,000 missiles on northern Israel. Already a good deal of northern Israel has been abandoned. You have thousands of people who have left their homes in Israel and are staying in hotels and staying in shelters. Then there's the possibility that some of these monarchies that have engaged with Israel, I'm speaking of Morocco, for example, which signed the ill-fated Abraham Accords under Mr. Trump's aegis that brought a kind of diplomatic recognition uh, to Israel from Morocco. The folks in Morocco are not necessarily happy with that, not least because King Mohammed uh, has been rather lethargic in terms of dealing with the devastation of the earthquake. Likewise, going due east into Bahrain, Another monarchy, you've had people in the streets, they're upset with their government signing the Abraham Accords as well. Not to mention the fact that there are U.S. nuclear submarines in the region. There is fear that the United States and Israel may try to widen the conflict because they see Iran, as Israel puts it, as the head of the snake, and therefore there could be an attack on Iran. But I dare say that Russia will not stand idly by as its uh, co-partner in the so-called Shanghai Cooperation Organization, which also includes China, is bombed to smithereens. So certainly this conflict could spread widely. And speaking about China, she is uh, in this country going to meet with Biden. Uh, your thoughts on that meeting? Do you think that what's going on in Gaza is going to come up in that conversation? I hope so. They're meeting in San Francisco on Wednesday. This is part of the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Organization. They meet annually. And Mr. Biden, of course, I'm afraid to say, will have his begging bowl in hand because there's a distinct possibility that the government will shut down again uh, this weekend, in fact, which will jeopardize checks to servicemen and to others. The United States is heavily dependent on the People's Bank in Beijing to make loans. Mr. Biden wants to ensure that those loans keep coming, but at the same time, there's no secret that the United States would like to see the overthrow of the Communist Party in China. So how you square that circle, I don't know. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting meeting because uh, Taiwan obviously may come up again. And so all eyes are watching what China does now. China, Some people think that China may pull a fast one because of it. all eyes are looking at what's going on in Gaza and ignore what's going on in Taiwan. With Taiwan, I should say, how do you see that? Well, look, the, the, the reality is that the United States is supplying uh, two combatants in war, Ukraine and Israel. There is a question as to whether or not the United States can now supply Taiwan in a third conflict. 
And speaking of Ukraine, one of the secrets that the U.S. press has not reported to this point is that Hamas has anti-tank missiles. Those anti-tank missiles apparently have been leaked out of Ukraine from the U.S. arsenal. Ukraine has a justifiable reputation as being incredibly corrupt to the point where there are those who've suggested jokingly in the United States that these weapons that are being shipped to Ukraine, since they usually wind up in the hands of Russia or Hamas, that maybe the United States should speak, ship them directly to Hamas and to Russia. You know, 11 after the top of the hour, I got a tweet from one of our listeners in London, and he's saying that uh, the Hamas leaders, one of the leaders, at least one of the leaders, lives in London in what they call a council council house. Uh, I think it's like a subsidized uh, uh, project or something. It's, it's right there in Britain, and he's a, a British citizen, and he's actually calling the shots. If that is true, all this, you know, and I'm sure the Mossad would know that as well. Why Why the almost carpet bombing of of uh of Gaza, if if they they say they're going after leaders of, of Hamas and, and they're not there, why they continue, uh, you know, why they continue uh, pilgrim, uh, why they continue raid on Gaza? Good question. Refer to what I just said about the hidden agenda being to drive people out of Gaza so that uh, Jewish settlers can then occupy that territory as they were doing not so long ago, before they were driven out, and that also brings up the point that how are you going to destroy Hamas when their leaders, not only are in London, some of them are in Mexico, quite a few of them in Argentina and in South America. You know, their headquarters are in Qatar, the Persian Gulf monarchy. And so if the leadership is not even necessarily in Gaza. How are you going to destroy the organization by bombing Gaza? Right. And that, and that begs the question. And we, we got a break coming up. When we come back, I'll let you address this because some people say that's not that's not what, what's really going on. It's, it's this oil or, or petroleum or whatever between the Gaza Strip and Egypt. I want you to tell us what what do you know about that? Is this true or, or, or did they find oil? Is, is that what the, really this fight's all about? And and on top of that, could, you know, a false flag trip off another 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 round of, of uh, bombing from from Israel. I want to get your thoughts, but we got to check the traffic and weather in our different cities. Folks, you want to join this conversation with Dr. Gerald Horn, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here at 14 after the top of the hour in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. In the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. Thanks for rolling with us this morning. Our guest is Dr. Gerald Horn from the University of Houston. He's one of our top scholars. We're already getting the West Coast uh, folks awoken, Dr. Horn. And Crystal is calling us from L.A. She's online, too. She has a question for you. Crystal, good morning. You're on with Dr. Gerald Horn. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead, Crystal. All right. My question is, there's natural gas discovered on the Gaza Strip. Isn't this fight about Israel wanting control of the natural gas? And um, they had a tentative agreement with some companies um, on the Gaza Strip, but now that is over with and done. So what about the natural gas? Thank you. All right. 
Thank you, Crystal. Well, and, and, and Dr. Horn, uh, also, what if there is, as, as she, Crystal claims, this natural gas, what, what does Egypt have to say about this? Because off the coast is right between uh, Gaza and Egypt. I'll let you respond to Crystal's question. Thank you, Crystal, again. Well, to be sure, and that further complicates relations between Egypt and Israel. Recall that uh, Egypt, uh, unfortunately, uh, recognized uh, Israel uh, some years ago, although the relationship is deteriorating. With regards to natural gas uh, offshore, Israel already claims jurisdiction over Gaza. I think that what Crystal should look at is this allegation that Israel would like to build a competitor to the Suez Canal, which allows Egypt to rake in billions every year. It's a major artery, not unlike the uh, Panama Canal, for example, which connects the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. And just like with regard to the Panama Canal, Nicaragua wants to build a competitor uh, to the Panama Canal because it feels that it's dominated unduly by the United States. And so uh, there is this allegation that Israel would like to depopulate Gaza in order to build this competitor through Gaza called the Ben-Gurion Canal, which would at the same time weaken Egypt, its major or a major competitor. Yeah, but Egypt is sort of uh, silent. Correct me if I'm wrong. You know, we don't, we don't get a lot of information from that region, information that we can trust, I should say, at least. Egypt has been sort of silent on what's going on. What's going on with Egypt? Why aren't they, you know, I know the Arab world has spoken up, and, and but they, they haven't been as vociferous as the, many of the Arab nations. Well, they're in a tight spot. Number one, they're heavily dependent upon U.S. aid. And U.S., of course, is a major supporter of Israel as well. Secondly, uh, Hamas is tied to the Muslim Brotherhood. Recall that General al-Sisi, the leader of Egypt, he overthrew Mohammed Morsi, a Muslim Brotherhood leader, in order to surge to power. However, Egypt has resisted Israel's attempt to deport Palestinians en masse into the Sinai Desert, which uh, Egypt controls. And Egypt participated in this meeting I made reference to a few moments ago concerning 57 uh, Islamic and Muslim nations meeting in Saudi Arabia this past weekend. Just as a few weeks ago, uh, uh, Cairo, or excuse me, Egypt hosted an important meeting uh, for humanitarian relief uh, to uh, Gaza. And recall that when Anthony Blinken, the U.S. Secretary of State, arrived in Cairo uh, shortly after this conflict uh, was launched in October 7, 2023, he was lectured sternly and publicly by General al-Sisi, and that struck a chord with the Egyptian populace. Is there any truth to the fact that the American taxpayers are paying for everything that goes on in Israel? They get, they get free health care. Because I've heard that on, on uh, some people uh, talking about that at, at a rally. Is there any truth to that, or is that just uh, some sort of Internet chatter? Well, I wouldn't say everything, because uh, interestingly, uh, Israel right now is one of the uh, richest countries on planet Earth with regard to per capita income, uh, more affluent than many Western European countries. It's also true that Israel is subsidized by the U.S. taxpayer. This is particularly the case now because Israel is heavily dependent upon reservists, weekend warriors like the National Guard. They've taken 300,000 of them away from their jobs 
and cubicles stocking grocery shelves, and now they're on the front line. Uncle Sam is helping to pick up the tab, just like Uncle Sam is picking up the tab for 150,000 uh, Ukrainian civil servants. Israel is spending tens of millions of dollars every day on this conflict. Some say hundreds of millions of dollars. That is not sustainable. It's not even sustainable for Uncle Sam. Yeah. Something's got to give uh, 25 out there, Tom. Before we go to Howard, let me ask you this last question, because you mentioned the uh, reservists are being called up uh, to fight this conf- in this conflict with, with Gaza, with Hamas. Netanyahu's son, is he back in Israel? Or is he still stateside with, with the Mossad? Have you heard anything different? Well, the last I heard, he's chilling in Miami, uh, along with uh, others. What's interesting about Israel, it, it, it began supposedly as a sanctuary for Jewish people. That was the idea behind Zionism. But now you have many with dual passports. There are, I think, maybe tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Israelis with U.S. passports. They're trying to get back to the United States. Recall that Governor DeSantis airlifted uh, many of them out of Israel. Many of them are fleeing into Russia, uh, in, in fact. And so this is some kind of sanctuary where people flee at the first sound of a gun. Gotcha. 26 after the top of the hour. As I mentioned, the West Coast uh, folks have woken up. Uh, Howard's on line three, calling us from L.A. Good morning, Howard. You're on with Dr. Gerald Horn. Oh, uh, Thank you. Uh, I'm, I've always listened to, uh, excuse me. Dr. Horn on the alternative radio station, here comes on 11 o'clock. I'm glad he comes on 11 o'clock so I can listen to him and continue the rest of my day on a Saturday. But uh, I, I just want to take it to a different thing. I was curious about the elections that took place in Ohio and Virginia and uh, one other state. But uh, also, Nancy's going to be not going to run uh, for another seat. How, how is it going to affect things? And also, uh, as a caveat, I'm up here hearing about a, a possible oil boycott of the Middle East and here in California, we've been paying three times as much for gas. Remember I was calling your show complaining about the gas prices. When I was in Birmingham, the lowest price I saw gas in Birmingham was a dollar ninety nine. We're paying close to six dollars out here. So, you know, that that's kinda of scary for me out here in California. But I like for the comment on the recent elections that took place last Tuesday, how the uh Virginia House was flipped they got both houses in uh, Ohio passed the abortion thing and uh, legalizing marijuana and um, Manchin is not going to run. So how does it affect the landscape here in this, this country? All right. Thanks, Howard. Dr. Horn? Well, the caller is correct. Uh, there was a disappointment for the GOP this past Tuesday. You now have a black speaker in the state of Virginia, the first time ever. You saw that a pro-choice referendum passed in the state of Ohio. You saw that in the state of Kentucky, the black Republican protege of Mitch McConnell, speaking of Attorney General Daniel, Daniel Kammer, he went down to defeat. And of course, uh, women's reproductive freedom was an issue there as well. At the same time, there was this poll that came out a week ago that suggested uh, that in five swing states, this was in the New York Times just a week ago, that Mr. Trump is ahead of Mr. Biden. And in any case, since we already know from January 6th that Republicans are not necessarily going to accept any sort of electoral defeat, uh, that is to say they just assume pull off a coup than accept defeat, uh, I dare say that we're hardly out of the woods. And you are correct to be worried about gasoline prices. The longer this war in historic Palestine goes on, the more pressure there's going to be 
for the oil-producing nations like Saudi Arabia to turn off the tap. And I think that that's something to consider. Of all the, the, the regions, the, the countries in that region, which one should we be looking to to, say, to get, you know, give us a signal that they're going to come together and consolidate their, what they have, their oil, their resources, resources to, to, to put pressure on not just Israel, but the United States? Would it be Qatar? Would it, would it be Saudi Arabia? Which, which one of these, these Arab states do you think we should be looking at? Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. I would say Saudi Arabia, it's well known that there are disputes between the Saudis and the United States. Recall that uh, Mohammed bin Salman, the de facto leader, he was accused credibly of chopping up and killing one of his critics, Jamal Khashoggi, who had been writing for the Washington Post. That he had gone to a Turkish consulate to get a, a visa renewed or get his passport renewed. He's a Saudi citizen, but they, you know, they killed him, basically chopped him up into little bitty pieces. And that led Mr. Biden during his presidential campaign to say that he was going to turn Saudi Arabia into a pariah. But then he had to flip flop because I guess he forgot how dependent the Saudis are on in terms of uh, Saudi uh, dependent on Saudi for oil exports. At the same time, Saudis are getting closer to China. They're getting closer to Russia. Uh, already, uh, Saudis are probably selling as much or more oil to China than they are to the United States. And so. There's going to be a lot of pressure on the United States because the United States is aiding and abetting war crimes against women and babies and infants. Already, most of the hospitals in Gaza are shutting down. You have infants who are dying as we speak. That is not sustainable. Yeah, twenty nine away from the top. And the question is, how many how many uh, Palestinians does Israel want to kill? To equal what they lost. It's already uh, north of 11,000 Palestinians. Most of the people in that, in the Gaza area, I think 60% are children. So when you look at the the people who are fleeing, you don't see too many young men. I see a lot of women and I see a lot of children. When is the world going to stand up and say, hey, time out? There's, There's something wrong with this picture. How do you see what's going on there, Dr. Horn? Well, the pressure is increasing. The problem is Prime Minister Netanyahu, who has presided over this fiasco, he has the prospect of going to prison once this conflict ends. Recall that before October 7th, there were tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands watching the streets of Israel because he was trying to basically compromise the Israeli Supreme Court so he could escape prison. So there's a lot of incentive for him to continue this war indefinitely. Having said that, uh, the crudest amongst us suggest 
that Israel may want to stop killing Palestinians when they get to 20,000. 20,000? Correct. Wow. And, and, and do you think the world will stand by? Because as, as we mentioned earlier, at the start of the program, France has already said, you know, time, time out. And, and it's really challenging the other countries to uh, European countries to step up and say something as, as well. How much longer do you think people are going to stand by? You know, and I mentioned earlier on a, a different day what happened with the Vietnam War when we saw these body bags coming home. The tide changed. Right now, everybody's on, well, not everybody, but a lot of people, a lot of white Americans are on Israel's side. Do you think that it's going to reach that point, the tipping point, where they say, no, you can't be killing all these folks, you know, especially these children? And what is it for? Equality? So, At what point do you think when it reaches that tipping point? I guess that's my question. Well, we may be getting there. Already, you see that in Yemen, they've been trying to shoot missiles into Israel. Just a few days ago, the parliament in Algeria, which admittedly is far distant from the battlefield, uh, they made a de facto declaration of war against Israel, although I don't think you should expect uh, Algerian paratroopers to be parachuting into Tel Aviv anytime soon. Uh, We already know that the Iranians have said they will not stand idly by indefinitely. I've already made reference to Hezbollah, which fought Israel to a standstill in 2006. They have been escalating on Israel's northern border. However, the investigative journalist Seymour Hirsch wrote a book uh, some years ago called The Samson Option, which talks about how Israel is willing to commit a kind of national suicide uh, and bring down everybody else with them. After all, Israel is a nuclear power. Recall that just a few days ago, a comrade of Prime Minister Netanyahu talked about dropping a nuclear bomb on Gaza. I guess he hasn't heard about nuclear fallout and how that could kill Israelis, but perhaps that's part of the Samson option. All right. Hold that thought right there, Dr. Horn. we got to take a short break and check the news, traffic, and weather in our different cities. And we come back in four minutes right now. It's 26 away from the top there with Dr. Horn. You can reach us, folks. If you want to join this uh, conversation, 800-450-7876. Your call's next right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. In the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, or information is power. And good morning again, family. 19 minutes away from the top of the hour with our guest, one of our top scholars, Dr. Gerald Horn. He teaches at the University of Houston. Before we go back to Dr. Horn, let me just remind you, coming up in the next uh, few days, Attorney Malik Shabazz will be here, uh, average educator Dr. Kemet Shaka will also join us. He's also at the University of Houston. Appeals, uh, Dr. Kelsey Aguima will also, Aguin will be also here. And also uh, author, Dr. Tyreen Wright. He a great book about Booker T. Washington. She'll be here as well. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in tight on 1010 WOLB if you're in the DMV we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL Dr. Horn Sister Fahima is reaching out to us she's on line 2 calling from the district good morning Sister Fahima good morning Mr. Nelson thank you for taking my call greetings Dr. Horn can you hear me sir yes okay so I want I have two points one I would like you to speak about the long-standing history and solidarity between black people and the Palestinian people from uh, Malcolm X's uh, article, Zionist Logic, to people like Kwame Ture, Muhammad Ali, and Nelson Mandela, 
and his grandson recently, and there are also Ferguson's uh, intervening, with, I'm sorry, the, the Palestinian people intervening uh, in the um, the, the in, in Ferguson when they were protesting around Michael Brown, because there are people who are ignorant. I'm going to call him out. Umar Johnson, who claims to be the prince of Pan-Africanism, is not even aware of this long-standing historic relationship. And then also, um, Breonna Taylor was also on the ballot in Kentucky because Tamika Rowley was there to make sure that there was a concerted campaign to make sure that this man was not re- rewarded for his treachery and his refusal to prosecute to the fullest extent of the law those police officers. So I'd like you to, I'm going to hang up, and I'd like you to speak to those two issues. Thank you so much, and I appreciate what you do. Well, thank you. And with regard to Kentucky, first of all, Daniel Cameron, I assume that's the man you're referring to, the black man, the protege of Mitch McConnell running for governor. These black conservatives are in a real bind because many black folk reject them precisely because they are perceived as running on an anti-black agenda. I'm looking at you, Uncle Tim, Tim Scott, just dropping out of the GOP presidential primary race. And at the same time, the white supremacists are still a tad nervous, at least some of them, about supporting a black candidate. And so they're, they're caught betwixt and between. And I'm not sure if the fact that they may be wed or have intimate partners across the racial line, which Uncle Tim just revealed just before he dropped out, I'm not sure if that helps them uh, with any particular constituency, uh, speaking frankly. Now, with regard to Black and Palestinian relations, you've given us a very useful summary. I would only add that the Black Panther Party should also be uh, noted in that regard. Recall that their only international headquarters was in Algiers, headed by Eldridge Cleaver, and they spent a lot of time uh, communing with the Palestinian Liberation Organization. In fact, the book I'm writing right now suggests that they were being trained, that is to say Black Panthers were being trained in Palestinian camps in terms of guerrilla warfare, for example. And as we speak today, you see that South Africa is chilling relations with Israel despite the fact that South Africa has probably the largest Jewish community on the African continent, a very uh, strong Zionist community. It took some courage for the African National Congress to make this maneuver. On the other side of the coin, uh, Kenya and Ghana on either side of the continent have been less than aggressive in terms of confronting Israel for various reasons. Yeah, you know, 15 away from the top. Sister Fahima, thank you for your call. Uh, Dr. Horn, can you address the differences between uh, what is a Zionist? We keep hearing about Zion. People describe Israelis as Zionists, or all Israeli Zionists. And, and what is a Semite? Can, can we be uh, anti-Semitic? Because Minister Farrakhan has been accused of being anti-Semitic. What do they actually mean when they use these terms? Well, Semite technically can be used to describe those who have roots in a particular region, and that can be Arab and those of Jewish ancestry, to a degree in the popular imagination, at least, anti-Semitism refers only to Jewish people, but as you suggest, that has been challenged. 
With regard to Zionism, this is a, an idea that developed at the end of the 19th century, principally as a result of the work of Theodore Herzl. He argued that anti-Jewish fervor could not be eradicated, and therefore Jewish people need a, a home, a sanctuary of their own. Britain, which inherited historic Palestine after the Turks were defeated in World War I, then cut a deal with the Zionists that said that they were in favor of this homeland, which then comes into being in 1947-1948. But obviously Theodore Herzl and the Zionists generally, and by the way, as you suggest, there are many Jewish people who do not consider themselves to be Zionists. They consider themselves, in fact, to be anti-Zionists. Certainly many Jewish people, as these demonstrations in New York have been suggesting, are anti-Netanyahu and anti the party of Netanyahu. They've been tying up Grand Central Station, tying up highways, etc. But having said that, I think that Theodore Herzl, he did not understand white supremacy, because when Jewish people crossed the Atlantic into North America, they were rebranded to a degree as white and therefore could climb the ladder of success. A significant percentage of the ruling class in the United States is comprised of Jewish Americans. That's why they're putting so much pressure on these Ivy League schools who, are, of course, are retreating uh, helter-skelter as a result, including Harvard University, led by a black woman of Haitian descent, speaking of Claudine Gay. But uh, so this idea of uh, Israel being a sanctuary for a beleaguered Jewish community, uh, I think that the facts on the ground deny and contradict that easy assertion. Well, help us out here. Twelve minutes away from the top of the hour. There's, at one point, uh, Jews and blacks in this country were, were walking lockstep, when uh, political and socially. You know, starting with the uh, the formation of the NAACP, right down to the civil rights movement as well. What happened? Where, what was the breaking point? When when did they leave us, or when did we leave them? Well. There were many breaking points along the way. You could look at the 1956 war when Israel, Britain, and France waged war against Nasser's Egypt. The Nation of Islam, not as popular then as it uh, is today, uh, sided with uh, Nasser's Egypt, and that actually helped to give them a boost of popularity. The same thing happened during the 67 war, where you saw uh, the Black Panther Party and the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. Uh, back the Arabs against Israel. There are conflicts over affirmative action, conflicts over Israel's support for apartheid South Africa, including nuclear support. But I think that in order to gain a deeper understanding, you have to realize that many black people do not feel that being dragged across the Atlantic to work for free was a step forward for people of African descent. Whereas many Jewish people, when they escaped the pogroms of Europe and found sanctuary in North America and climbed the ladder of success, they thought that that was a step forward for the Jewish community. So fundamentally, there was a contradiction between the two communities that was bound to assert and reassert itself, which it is doing today. But, but having said that, wasn't it black soldiers that rescued some of these Jewish folks from the internment camp? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. And, of course, you had uh, disproportionately those defined as white who were marching uh, against Jim Crow in the South uh, happened to be of Jewish ancestry. So there's that side of the ledger as well. But I think that a breaking point will be this current conflict, because despite the fact that Mayor Adams of New York and Al Sharpton of New York and Hakeem Jeffries of New York are standing with Israel, 
Uh, it's no accident that Congressman Andre Carson, a Muslim of Indiana, is not. Congresswoman Summer Lee of Western Pennsylvania is not. Congresswoman Cory Bush of St. Louis, Missouri is not, and so on and so forth. And I think that the latter ranks will be growing. By the way, mentioning Eric Adams, you know that the feds grabbed his uh, cell phone and iPad just the other day. He's under investigation. And part of it's a Turkish connection. He's being a suspected of taking money under the table from Turkish interests. Now, we know that there have been these unwarranted attacks on black politicians. Look what happened to Marilyn Mosby in Baltimore uh, just a few days ago, a prosecutor of the cop who killed Freddie Gray, uh, now has been convicted on charges of perjury. This is part of a long line of attacks on black elected officials. But when I saw these headlines about Eric Adams and Turkey or Turkey, uh, my eyebrows arched because we know that there are complicated relations between Turkey and the Zionist lobby. And despite the fact that Eric Adams is in sync with the Zionist lobby, this may be an effort to get back at Turkey. So stay tuned. Yeah, and they did it publicly because they stopped him on the street. They could have done this, you know, went to his office uh, or they could have done it more, you know, without without being out. He's out because he's, he's all around, but they know where he lives. They could have went to his house and, and got his phones, but they stopped him on the street. Did, how do you read that? Do they try to embarrass him as much as they can? How do you see that? Well, they have a very ambitious federal prosecutor in Manhattan. I'm speaking of Damian Williams, the young black man. He's in his early 40s. Recall that he just uh, convicted Sam Bankman Freed, the, the erstwhile crypto mogul who's now facing possibly 100 years uh, in jail. And so it was very curious that they confronted Mayor Adams on the street after he uh, visited New York University in, in the village. Uh, my eyebrows went up. And also it was curious, too, that Eric Adams uh, – he was headed to D.C. to talk about getting federal aid to migrants when the feds busted into the abode of his campaign uh, fundraiser, who's a 25-year-old black woman, 25-year-old black woman. And he flew back to New York immediately and dropped the whole idea about getting aid to migrants. And that's raised eyebrows, too, with regard to the exact nature of their relationship. Right. Uh, seven minutes away from the top. Yeah, and that, we got to take a break, but I, we got a tweet question. And I, and I, since you went there, I'm going to throw this tweet question for you. And I'll let you respond to it when we come back. Tweeter says, why can't Congress throw billions at our problems, such as homelessness among our veterans and mental health? This is our hard earned money. The billions they are spending on these two wars can do a lot of good at home. These people were taxpayers, too, and serve this country. So that's the question, kind of like the questions you're asking there or the statements you just made, but we got to take a short break, as I mentioned, six minutes away from the top of the hour. Eric in Long Beach also wants to speak with you. Folks, you two can join this conversation with Dr. Gerald Horn. Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, or information is power.
Oh, good morning again, family, and thanks for rolling with us this morning. A minute after the top of the hour, one of our top scholars, Dr. Gerald Horn. If you'd like to join this conversation, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. A bunch of folks already want to talk to you, Dr. Horn. Before we go to the phones, though, uh, the, the tweet that I mentioned, the tweeter says, why can't Congress throw billions at our problems, such as homelessness among our veterans and mental health? And the tweeter goes on and says, this is our hard-earned money. The billions they are spending on those two wars can do a lot of good at home. These people were taxpayers, too, and serve this country. I'll get your thoughts about that. Well, that's obviously correct, but it's also correct to say that there are very powerful forces in this country who are benefiting from these wars. I'm thinking of what's referred to as the military-industrial complex, which is raking in profits head over fist through sending military materiel to battlefields from Ukraine to Israel. And because they help to make contributions to politicians who then dance to their tune, it makes it difficult to have any money left over to spend on homelessness or hunger or education or the like. All right. As I mentioned, we've got some folks across the country who want to talk to you. Let's take our first call and the first call this hour with Eric calling from Long Beach in California. He's on line two. Good morning, Eric. You're on with Dr. Horn. Hi, good morning, Dr. Horn. How are you? It's all good. All right. Um, it's good to speak with you this morning. My my first um, question is, wh- where was the uh, Black and Jewish Relationship Alliance prior to 1915? Because from my understanding of the history, they only decided to um, ally with us after the um, the Leo Frank incident where he was found guilty on the testimony of a black man. And then they started their, um, their organization. But prior to 1915 and the lynching of Leo Frank, there was no black and Jewish coalition that only occurred after. And my second question is um, regarding um, Theodore Allen's book, the invention of the white race. And could you speak to the contents of his book and what well, his two books in that regard and explain to the listening audience um, what those two volumes w- was about. And um, I'll hang up and listen. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Eric. And Dr. Horn, if you can tell us about Leo Frank, I'm not sure how many of our in our audience knew who Leo Frank was and what happened to him. Leo Frank was a Jewish man in Georgia, circa 1915, who was lynched by Euro-American Christians, they said that he killed a young Christian woman. And his supporters, Frank's supporters, claimed that this was a kind of blood libel, an outrage that stretched back 2,000 years. Apparently, some of Frank's supporters were trying to point the finger of accusation at the main witness against him, who, as the caller suggests, was a black man. And it's just quite remarkable that DeFrank was impugned and, in fact, was, in a sense, convicted based upon the testimony of a, of a black man who the Frank supporters claim was the actual culprit. It's a very controversial case, and the definitive book about that case has yet to be written, if there are any scholars in the audience. With regard to prior to the Leo Frank case, 
as I suggested a moment or two ago. You had many uh, Jewish Americans who assimilated into this wider white supremacist culture. Judah Benjamin, for example, was the number two and number three figure in the so-called Confederate States of America. Uh, he was from Louisiana, or at least he had roots in Louisiana. Uh, recall that the Confederate States bolted from the United States in order to perpetuate enslavement of Africans for, uh, forevermore. Uh, you had politicians in Florida, another state slave-owning state, state who were Jewish. I'm speaking of Senator Yulee, Y-U-L-L-E-E. So the relations between Jewish Americans and black Americans have been complicated. There have been ups and downs. But as I suggested before, the fundamental contradiction comes back to the fact that black people did not necessarily felt that they got a good deal when they were dragged across the ocean to North America, whereas those who were Jewish thought that they got a great deal when they left the pogroms and persecution of Europe for white supremacist North America. All righty. Thank you for that explanation. Six away from the top there. Brother Muhammad's calling us. He's in Washington, D.C. He's on line three. Brother, Ham- Brother Muhammad, salam alaikum, my brother. You're on with Dr. Well, Horn. Well, alaikum salam, sir. Um, we have to uh, um, really, I, I've called him before while Dr. Horn was on and, and mentioned Jewish supremacy. We need to use that phrase and stop calling them the Jews. I don't know if y'all remember that. But uh, to prove what I was saying about it's a a group of, of, of Jews that think they're superior to everyone else. Do you remember Donald Sterling? Of the uh, owner of the LA Clippers. Okay. If you go back and listen to his argument with his girlfriend, who was half black and half Latino, and, you know, uh, that's a heck of a combination. But, uh, but he had a girlfriend that was half black, half Latino, and she recorded the conversation. And he, if you remember, he said that you could sleep with Magic Johnson. You could love him. You could do all that. Just don't put him on your Instagram page. And the reason why he kept saying just don't, you know, bring him to the games and do it in public is because he had to answer to this group of Jewish supremacists. And, and the, their whole game is public opinion. Okay, they don't make you do anything. They don't put a gun to your head. They get the government to put the gun to your head. Okay, that's how they operate. But it's all based on public opinion. Really, we just need to tighten up our game because this is really our country. Okay, we need to tighten up how we donate to our candidates and how we lobby and all that kind of stuff because it's our fault that, that uh, all, these, all this money is going to Ukraine and going to Israel. It's, it's really our fault. We just need to take more responsibility and get more organized. But again... Everybody, go listen, go on YouTube and listen to Donald Sterling arguing with his girlfriend. And who is this group of people that's so powerful that it's okay for you to sleep with another man, but just don't make it public that uh, you're interacting with him? Because Donald Sterling was a billionaire. Who, who, who's he, who's he got to answer to? So everybody, go listen to that, and you'll understand we're dealing with Jewish supremacists and. Not all Jews are bad or, or think they're better, but there is a group of people that run the Jews uh, that are supremacists. That's just the facts. Oh, all right. Let's give him a chance to respond. Thank you, Brother Muhammad. Yes, sir. Dr. Horn? Well, first of all, with regard to Donald Sterling, it's actually deeper than what has been articulated. There's a book 
out now called The Vice President's Black Wife. It talks about the story of the U.S. Vice President Richard Johnson in the 1830s, who was married to a black woman. He eventually lost office and, in a sense, was run out of town because the issue was not necessarily leaping with a black woman. The issue was putting her front and center as his wife. For example, Henry Clay, another leading politician from Kentucky, uh, he, too, had affairs with black women. Uh, enslaved women, but then when it became public, he sold them down the river. Literally, he, he sold them into sla- uh, for, deeper into slavery in Louisiana. So the issue wasn't necessarily the relationship. The issue was making the relationship public, and that goes far beyond Donald Sterling. It goes far beyond uh, Jewish Americans, which brings me back to the book I didn't comment on by Theodore Allen, uh, The Invention of the White Race. Basically, what he's suggesting is something I've suggested in my own work, which, of course, I would recommend, which is that this idea of whiteness is an evolutionary term. Originally, these settlers, they called themselves Christian, but at a certain point, they decided to expand the rubric, if you like, which then allowed for them to co-opt many Jewish people, obviously were not Christian, and therefore strengthen the bonds of whiteness. It's a class collaborationist identity, that is to say it unites people of European descent across class lines, helping to explain Mississippi, for example, where Governor Reeves was just elected uh, across class lines in the Euro-American community. That happens on a regular basis. Look at the Trump phenomenon, for example. So certainly Theodore Allen's books are worth recommending. And certainly I would also suggest, as the caller uh, argued, that people should listen to what Donald Sterling had to say. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Yeah, we're going to talk about Sterling and his Clippers l- later in the program because they're not doing too good now. So no, not doing too well, I should say, So before I get corrected. Ten minutes after the top, they are Tyrone's next. He's on line four. He's calling from Baltimore. Good morning, Tyrone. You're on with Dr. Horn. Yeah, excellent insight, Dr. Horn. And that's not to forget that we have Arab Jews as well and, and the Ethiopian Jews, and they are not Zionists necessarily. That's the Zionists is a neo-colonial project or settler-colonial project. Uh, fostered by Europeans and supported by Europeans. But um, I did have a question with regard to uh, Marilyn Mosley, um, the, the conviction of Marilyn Mosley, Dr. Horn. And I wanted to get your opinion about whether or not, because there's a lot of people, brainwashed people in Baltimore that believe that it was purely coincidental that she was targeted with uh, lying to get her own money from her own retirement, not public funds, but own money. What are your thoughts uh, concerning that and the fact, in light of the fact that she convicted not convicted, but tried uh, several police officers for uh, assaults against the people. Well, thank you, for, thank you for that call. I, I, I'm not a coincidence theorist. 
That is to say, uh, rarely when you see a leading black woman prosecuted for taking her retirement, her own retirement money, and trying to reallocate it, and now faces the prospect of hard time in prison, this after she outrages many police officers by prosecuting those who killed Freddie Gray, uh, I, I, I don't see that as coincidence, particularly in light of what we already know about how black elected officials face double standards uh, going back a decade. So I agree with the caller and what he's seeking to suggest. All right, and the sad part about that, Dr. Horn, you had blacks in Baltimore applauding, you know, here they're prosecuting a black woman, you know, talk about racism, white supremacy, don't understand how the system of racism, white supremacy works. And they were applauding that, that she was out there trying to protect them, but they were applauding the, 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 the decision, the, the, the court's decision. I found that just interesting that uh, they would take sides against a black woman because, you know, obviously some of these black folks are really still don't understand how the system of racism, white supremacy works. Anyway, we got to take another quick break here and check the traffic wow. and weather in our different cities. Yeah, they were, Dr. Horn, <laughs> 13 minutes after the top. I'll be back. Christian has got a question for you. 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also on the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. Good morning again, family. And thanks for rolling with us all morning long. Been an interesting morning as usual. 20 minutes after the top of the hour. I guess it's Dr. Gerald Horn. He's one of our top scholars. And Mark Vanheim's listening. He sent me a question for Dr. Horn. Before we go to that question, though, as I mentioned before, we left for the traffic and weather update. Christian in Malibu on line five has a question or a comment. Good morning, Christian. You're on with Dr. Horn. Good morning, gentlemen. Oh, it's a pleasure to speak with you guys. Um, just real quick, uh, somebody called about how uh, we're earmarking money for Ukraine and Israel, but we didn't do it for uh, the black people. The first week of January 2020, before Biden was elected, he had a big Zoom conference where he had like 65 supposedly black leaders, and he told them full-throatedly, we're not, we're not doing reparations. Kamala Harris was there, Mosby, and Sharpton. He said, we're not doing it. So that's the, that's the reason why he's not doing it. But let's go back to the, uh, Israel. They've lost, Israel lost 46 soldiers in the time they've been fighting. They're not a well-trained military operation like the United States. They don't have bases all over the world. They don't have the technology or the history of militarism like we do. So these people, these 330 people they called up, they're not, they're not really soldiers. They're like firemen. They're like attorneys. They're accountants. So they're going to take a lot of casualties in that ground war. The second thing is this. Uh, Hamas is here. They've been here. Remember 9-11, those planes that uh, attacked uh, the World Trade Center and beyond? That first plane was out of Los Angeles. It was hit up in Los Angeles. Do you remember that? That plan was hatched right here in Culver City. Listen to what I'm saying. That plan was hatched in here in Culver City uh, with uh, Al Zawari and the guy who's in prison at Supermax underneath. They stayed two weeks, and they do several run-throughs for that plan. So they're already here. Now, the last four years in uh, Chatsworth, Granada Hills, uh, Fairfax District, you could be sitting down as a Jewish person, and some, some Arab person would come up and start a fight with you. So they've been inciting this. So here's the deal. This is going to be a long, drawn-out war. 
And I don't think it's going to work out well for Israel because there's too many people against them. What do you think? All right. Thanks, Christian. Mm-hmm. Well, I think speaking objectively, it's going to be a difficult struggle for Israel, not only because of the reason that you articulated, that is to say that it's very difficult for military made up of draftees and conscripts to defeat hardened professional fighters, for example, the kind that you have across the border in southern Lebanon, speaking of Hezbollah. Uh, We've already talked about the drain on the Israeli treasury. Similarly, with regard to your other point concerning 9-11, there is evidence to suggest that there might have been complicity with certain leading Saudis who were in Southern California at that time, who somehow were able to fly out of the United States before they were questioned by the U.S. authorities, which has raised eyebrows ever since. So that also speaks to the dilemma that the United States faces as it tries, on the one hand, to fund Israel for its war of aggression against Gaza and perhaps even back Israel as the battlefield lengthens. We already have been receiving reports about U.S. strikes in eastern Syria, for example, against supposed Iranian targets there. Expect that to continue. But at the same time, the United States is trying to carry favor with Saudi Arabia because of oil and oil prices. And that's going to be a very difficult tightrope to traverse. All right, 24 after the top. As I mentioned, Mark from Anaheim sends you a question. He says, Mark from Anaheim says, hello. On Sunday, there was a paddle out for peace in Sudan and Palestine. It was held in Santa Monica. And he says, they're going to say here in Orange County, California, students are being suspended from school for simply saying free Palestine. Has there, and here's the question, has there been any feedback regarding the success of the paddle out in Santa Monica? And do you believe that there will be blowback for any of the surfers who participated? I don't think there'll be blowback for many of the surfers who participated. Apparently, it was a successful event. I was told that the waters were very placid, allowing the swimmers and surfers to go quite far from the shore. There's a real free speech crisis in this country. Look what happened to Congresswoman Tlaib of Detroit. She was censured by her colleagues in the U.S. Congress in part because she raises the slogan about uh, Palestine will be free from the river to the sea. Now, you're not allowed to suggest that Jewish and non-Jewish folks should live in one state, a binational state. Uh, You have to opt for the two-state solution, which is basically a mirage, because obviously Netanyahu is not going to go there. And in any case, How can you say that that slogan is improper when Israel has no internationally recognized borders? You could say that Israel wants to expand from the river to the sea. But, of course, it's okay to accept that de facto slogan, but not okay to accept uh, Congresswoman Tlaib's slogan. And I want to chime in on that. From the river to the sea, uh, Palestine will be free. That's what they're chanting, not just uh, there in Gaza, but all around the world. And somehow you talked about freedom of speech. You know, if you say from the river to the sea, you'll be sanctioned here in in this country. Your thoughts on that? How how are they going to, you know, tell people you can't say from the river to the sea? Well, this is part of the hypocrisy. I mean, for example, uh, 
we were told during the Ukraine crisis about the so-called rules-based international order. Uh, the United States backed the International Criminal Court seeking to indict the President Putin of Russia. The United States is not going to back, I assure you, I guarantee you, an indictment of Prime Minister Netanyahu and his comrades for bombing infants and hospitals, for example. And the United States, when anti-blackness rears its ugly head, we're told that we are not able to object because that's free speech. In fact, we're snowflakes. That is to say, we're too sensitive. <laughs> and now, with these Zionists uh, clamoring to clamp down on pro-Palestinian organizations like Students for Justice in Palestine and Jewish Voices for Peace, which have been suspended at Columbia University under pressure from the Zionist establishment, that's not a violation of free speech, for example. This hypocrisy stinks to high heaven. 27 minutes after the top there. Let's talk some politics here. The, the recent elections that took place, that saw the Democrats making some inroads, basically on, on the abortion issue. Can they ride the abortion issue all the way to next year, to the presidential election? How do you see it, uh, Professor? It's possible. Uh, for example, in Arizona, swing states, they're going to put an abortion issue on the ballot, which should drive turnout amongst women in particular. But let me remind you once again of those polls that were reported on the front page of the New York Times a week ago about Mr. Trump ahead of Mr. Biden in five swing states. And then there is the wild card, Senator Manchin of West Virginia. He's not running for reelection. He might run on this so-called no-labels third-party ticket, which is basically not offering any sort of real alternative except, I guess, to drain votes away from Mr. Biden. It's fundamentally ludicrous. And then you have Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who has been flip-flopping on the Israel question like a madman, although polls suggest he may be drawing votes away from uh, Mr. Trump. And then, of course, there are other third-party candidates like the philosopher Cornel West, Dr. Jill Stein, who will likely be the Green Party candidate. So it's unclear about the White House, but certainly the Republicans have a real dilemma with regard to their position on women's reproductive freedom. Although, as I said, they feel that when the deal goes down, they can do another January 6th and basically seize power by foul means. But at the same time, though, uh, Dr. Horn, I said that black voters, uh, especially black men, are moving away from Joe Biden. They didn't say they're moving away from the Democratic Party now, but they're moving away from Joe Biden. Do you think this will sort of trigger some call for Biden to step aside? Because the black men, black folks make up a, a sizable portion of the mosaic for, that he used to get into office the first time around. And if he loses, the, you know, if he loses them and it's already, you know, problems with the in Michigan with, with where a lot of Arab voters reside and they've already told him they're not going to support him. Do you think he will see what's the writing on the wall and, and, and drop out? I'm not sure. You know that David Axelrod, the former chief aide to President Obama, after those New York Times polls came out, he suggested that Mr. Biden might want to consider stepping aside. We know that Governor Pritzker of Illinois and Governor Newsom of California have been making campaign donations in South Carolina, a major primary state where the black vote is critical. 
Governor Newsom of California even was able to wrangle a meeting with President Xi Jinping of China. Uh, in China, it's very unusual for a president to meet with a governor of a province like California. So I think that there are a number of candidates who are quite willing to take the place of uh, Mr. Biden. The question is, what does that mean for Kamala Harris? Yeah. What does it mean for her for real? Is she going to step aside? Is she going to buy into whomever is, is chosen? And, and, and that begs the question, is there a cutoff date or could, or could this have to make the change at the convention in Chicago or or can, you know, what what's the opportune time, I guess my question is, for him, if he's going to drop out or step aside or, or, or graciously hand over to Newsom or, or, or Illinois' uh, governor or anybody else the Democrats have because they don't have a deep bench, what is the opportune time to do that so that person can, can really go out there and start campaigning? Well, I think it begs the question because the headlines a few days ago suggested that Kamala Harris was in South Carolina filing appropriate paperwork for the South Carolina primary. Uh, according to this new book by Franklin Four, F-O-E-R, Mr. Biden understandably uh, enjoys being the White House, being in the White House with all the perks of private playing. Recall that uh, Mr. Obama said that one of the things he missed about being president is having a private plane that'll fly you in a helicopter and all the other perks. And so I don't really expect Mr. Biden to step aside. First of all, it would be a damaging blow to his ego. And second of all, there are all these perks that come along with being the commander in chief. You know, we're coming on break, but I want to talk some sports with you. You know, we mentioned the Clippers. <laughs> I have to get your thoughts on the Clippers so far this season since the Beard has joined the team. Clippers are coming up goose eggs. They haven't won, won any games. How do you see what's, what's, what's up with the franchise? Is James Harden a snake bit? How do you see that? Well, I think it'll take some time to, to work out the kinks. Look, look, look at the Lakers, for example. They lost against Houston by about 30 points just the other day. And so I expect the Clippers to come together. But recall that in Houston, uh, Westbrook, and Harden, and also in Oklahoma City. They did not necessarily work together very well. Both of them are ball-dominant guards. Both of them need to dominate the ball. Recall that Harden, in addition to being a top scorer, oftentimes leads the league in assists. So even though they're going to have to have some time to work out the kinks, that team has some fundamental problems and fundamental weaknesses. I'm not sure if the executives thought it through when they acquired uh, James Harden and gave away all those draft picks and another player, James Harden's on the, the negative side of 30. Uh, he might have lost a step or two. And you have to wonder, since he was able to argue his way out of Houston, argue his way out of Brooklyn, argue his way out of Philadelphia, now he may have to argue his way out of Los Angeles. All right. When we come back, we come up on our last look at the news, traffic, and weather. I'd like to get your thoughts on Wemby, this, the, the so-called new phenom that's coming out and playing now for the Spurs. What are your thoughts on him? Folks, we're talking sports now with Dr. Gerald Horn. You want to join in, reach out to us at 800-450-7876, 26 minutes away from the top. I'll be back with your questions for Dr. Horn in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB, also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 W. O-L, or information is power. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. 
Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. And good morning again, family. 20 minutes away from the top of the hour with our guest, Dr. Gerald Horn. Before we go back to Dr. Horn, let me just remind you, some of the folks are going to be stopping by in the next few days. Dr. Kalichia Igwim is going to be with us. He's from Appeal uh, Incorporated in Washington, D.C. Also, uh, uh, Dr. Tyrone Wright is going to be with us. She's written a book, of course. Uh, many of you are familiar with her book, on Booker T. Washington, Being a Pan-Africanist. Uh, Afrocentric educator, Dr. Kemet Shockley, will be here, along with attorney Malik Shabazz. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio is locked in tight, Right here on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. So, Dr. Horn, before I left, uh, your thoughts on, on this, where they say the next phenom, the next greatest player ever come down in the NBA, Wemby, and now with the Spurs. So, your thoughts about him? Uh, he's the real deal. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's seven foot three, seven foot four, who runs like a gazelle. He may already be one of the fastest guys in the league. If you watch these games, Look how he gets down court before everybody else. He's very quick. He has a three-pointer. There are folks who talk about they're going to rough him up, but he can play outside. He hits a lot of three-pointers, for example. So the question with the Spurs is not Wimby. He's the real deal. The question of the guys who are surrounding him. I'm not sure if they'll be able to take uh, Wimby and the Spurs to the playoffs, but the guy is only 19. He's bilingual. He speaks French and English, he's the real deal. Do you think he's got a bulk up, though? Because, you know, you know, we get banged around down there trying to get into the pivot with some of these other guys on these other teams. He may have to, but uh, look at Kevin Durant. I mean, you know, he, he's built like Kevin Durant, and Kevin Durant has him bulked up. Remember George Gervin, the Iceman? Uh, yeah. He was skinnier than uh, Wimby, for example. So I don't think necessarily he has to bulk up but it might help him to spend some time in the weight room. Right. And your phone just went south on us in a moment, so hopefully we'll get back closer to the phone. Yeah. Uh, for, for, our, for our listeners in Baltimore, the Ravens, <laughs> can they make go all the way to the Super Bowl? How are your thoughts? Well, before yesterday, I thought they could. I mean, I was stunned when they allowed Cleveland to come back. And I know Deshaun Watson is an A1 quarterback, there's no excuse for that loss against Cleveland. And it really makes me wonder, not only about the Ravens, but about the coaching. It makes me wonder about Lamar. So I don't know about the Ravens. Yeah. I want to talk about Kansas City Chiefs now. They're in the news because uh, they, they refused to take a knee when at the National Anthem. I think that in their last game, I think it was because maybe it was in, in Germany. And they're saying that uh, they're, they're, they're attributing this this move for them to stand up to Travis Kelsey. And, you know, you know he's been in the news for what, whatever the reason, and we know that. But they refused. And, and, you know, and white America is just applauding the fact that they didn't take the knee. I want to get your thoughts on that. Well, I, I thought that that was not 
a, a good move on their part. Uh, I guess Travis Kelsey, with his relationship with Taylor Swift, he was just in Argentina for a concert the other day. I noticed that he was even on a commercial on WOL, for example. So he's getting paid, and so perhaps he influenced his teammates not to do the right thing. Yeah, uh, I noticed the commercial too. I was like, "Oh wow, he's making, he's getting around." I guess the, the uh, I guess it, being hooked up with her just, just has its perks. But I want to go back to politics for a little bit because I know we got a lot of listeners in the UK, and th- 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 there's a lot of talk with with the prime minister there and what he's doing. It, you know, there's been so many problems. The folks have been tweeting me all along since the show started ask you about what's going on because the, the they, they, they too have a lot of problems with with what's going on in palestine if you will and and, and they having all these rallies and one of the top ministers got got called out for for not supporting it so i just want to get your thoughts uh, do you think uh, what's his name Rishki, the whoever the prime minister is do you think he can survive because he's been on the ropes for, for uh, quite a few months now rishi sunak the prime minister is a dead man walking his latest the Hail Mary pass was to bring back the discredited Prime Minister David Cameron as his foreign secretary, uh, kicking out James Cleverly, the black man who then replaces uh, Suella Braverman as home secretary. Suella, for example, wrote this piece uh, in the newspapers just a few days ago uh, suggesting that the pro-Palestinian marches not be allowed. She did not necessarily clear that with number 10 Downing Street, with uh, Prime Minister Sunak and his staff. It's rumored and suspected that she wants to challenge Sunak for the right, from the right. So even if Sunak is able to schedule an election within 12 to 18 months, as he's duty-bound to do, you should expect either A, he will be replaced by Sue Ella Braverman from the right as the Tory candidate, or B, if he's not replaced, he'll go down to defeat at the hands of the Labor Party man, Sir Kerr Starmer, who, by the way, has not stood tall at all with regard to this Gaza question. Yeah, and for our listeners stateside, the, the Tories are like the Republicans. Correct me if I'm wrong on this. And the Labor, the Labor Party is like the Democrats. That's a fair assessment. And recall that Sir Kerr Starmer replaced Jeremy Corbyn as the Labor Party standard bearer. Jeremy Corbyn was chased from not only the Labor Party leadership, but out of the party altogether on very spurious grounds because he was prematurely pro-Palestinian. That is to say, he was raising red flags about what Netanyahu was doing. He was accused of being anti-Semitic or anti-Jewish, not unlike what happened to Jesse Jackson when he was running for president a few decades ago. And so now the Zionists have their man, Kara Starmer, uh, primed to be the next prime minister. And so they're in a no-lose position because Rishi Sunak is also dancing to their tune. How do you explain though? Because you know they, the the tweeters are in in the UK, they tell me, and they show me, send me pictures of the the huge protests, the you know the pro Palestinian protests in in London. They locked down over the weekend. They locked the city down, and they say you know we we don't have these kind of protests stateside, but they have them in London. How, can can you offer some explanation why there seems to be are there more Arabs in in London or than they are say in New York City or Washington D.C. Well, 
first of all, there was a massive demonstration in Washington, D.C. about a week or so ago, about 300,000 people or more. Second of all, you are correct to suggest that there is a substantial Muslim population in the U.K. In fact, the mayor of London comes from a Muslim family. Uh, you have substantial Muslim populations in Manchester, the number two city. The leader of the Scottish National Party, uh, north of England, uh, happens to be of that ancestry as well. So they play an outsized role in U.K. politics, and that helps to explain these massive demonstrations. And then, of course, the U.K. is more to the left generally speaking, than the United States is, which is very difficult for people in the United States to accept. Yeah, because I've heard that, too, from folks who, who uh, you know, bi-coastal, if you will, or, or go to different, who live in London, who, who are Americans in London, who, who too, listen to. And they, they, they say that the racism there is, is kind of different. It's, it's more subtle. It's not in your face as, as stateside, uh, the, what they have experienced. Or maybe uh, my thing was maybe they treat you different because you're American. What are your thoughts? I think it's more the latter. Uh, one of the cultural traits of the UK is accent discrim discrimination. They discriminate against you based upon your accent, believe it or not. Actually, you have some of that in the United States as well. Southern accents do not necessarily uh, go down well in New York City, for example. But it's not as strong as it is in the UK. And since you have a U.S. accent, Carl, believe it or not, uh, that means that you might be treated different, differently than a person with a Jamaican accent, a person with a Nigerian accent, that is to say, a person from one of the former U.K. colonies. That's point number one. Point number two is the United States had centuries of enslavement of Africans on this soil. If you look at the U.K., the colonies were hundreds and thousands of miles away where they had slavery in Jamaica, Barbados, Trinidad, St. Kitts, etc. And that is explanatory, too, in terms of how black people are treated in that country. And you know what, Doc? They also tell me they have an immigration problem. That you know, we talk about the, our southern border of folks coming up, but they, they say there's the people are trying to get over from the English Channel. Can you speak to that for us? For our listeners who probably don't understand, that's why one of we have one uh, calls that calls all the time, uh, Paul from London, East London, and he's he says the problems that we have in the states is as black people, we, the black people in London have the same problems. And he, uh, in a prior conversation, he talked about uh, immigration. Well, he has a point. Suella Braverman, who I just mentioned, is being forced out of Rishi Sunak's cabinet. She's been a hardliner on immigration. She makes Senator Tom Cotton and Senator Ted Cruz of Texas seem like liberals when it comes to the immigration question. What happens is that folks make it to France, which is just across the channel from the UK, and then by various means try to get across that body of water. The UK, under the previous uh, prime minister, Boris Johnson, had made a deal to ship all of these migrants to Central Africa, to Rwanda, for example. And that caused outrage amongst uh, many black people, amongst many progressive people, et cetera. And so if Sue Ellen uh, Braverman replaces Rishi Sunak, you can expect the Tories, her party, the conservatives, the twin of the Republicans, to move even further to the right. But I'm not sure if that's going to lead to electoral success. 
All right, nine minutes away from the top. Yeah, what about the immigration problem here? People say this is going to be uh, the Achilles heel for the Democrats. But it, the, the problem, the immigration problem here has been going on for decades. It's not just this administration. It goes all the way back, you know, I don't even know, maybe from uh, Ronald Reagan's administration. They need a comprehensive uh, immigration plan here. But now people are speaking up, especially in Chicago. There, there's been outcries, that, you know, why all these immigrants, are, they're dumping them basically into the black community. That's what our friends in Chicago are telling us. Is is this going to hurt Biden if he if he does stay in the race for re-election? It probably will. I'm not sure if it will be a fatal wound. The latest news from Chicago Tribune headlines is that a number of Venezuelans are heading back to Venezuela. Uh, they, they don't like this Chicago winter, which is just beginning. So stay tuned for what happens in January. At the same time, you see that Mr. Biden has loosened sanctions on Venezuela. Actually, Mr. Biden was the author of his misery. That is to say, he had sanctioned Venezuela, helping to make the economy scream, forcing people to leave Venezuela, who then wind up in the United States, wind up in Chicago, wind up in New York, wind up in Texas. And now he's seen the lack of wisdom of his policy, and he's loosening sanctions, which also should help with regard to oil if Saudi Arabia decides to engineer an oil boycott, at least possibly the United States can substitute Venezuelan oil. But the yeah. problem in part is that the Republicans are so demagogic when it comes to immigration. All right. Uh, chess move there from Biden. Let me ask this before I let you go, though. Your latest book, What what is the latest book and how can we pick it up? Well, two latest books, Acknowledging Radical Histories, Conversations with GH, with me, uh, that's available, and I dare say the Gerald Horn Reader, uh, you can order. It'll be out in a few days. And I noticed you had a lot of calls from Southern California, and perhaps they're anticipating my book launch in L.A. in Lamert Park on February 3rd. So uh, check my Facebook page for that. Check Instagram. And, of course, if you want to feast on all my YouTube videos, feel free. All right. Dr. Horn, thank you for sharing all that information with us this morning. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. That's Dr. Gerald Horn from the University of Houston. Folks, we're done for the day. Stay strong. Stay positive. Please stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. In the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power.